Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. How are you doing? I hope you're doing well. Uh, today we have our one co-host other than myself, so we're back to two. Hello again, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. And we have a very special guest today, Mr. Jason Suk, the creator, co-host, <laughs> and host of the Social Psychic Radio Show, which also has a website attached to it. And uh, thank you for being on, Jason. I'm sorry for uh, laggy introduction. The people that hear this podcast already kind of know that, but either way, for me, sorry, and how are you today? No, you're good. <laughs> thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure. It really is. So we're very... Uh, Grateful to have you on the podcast here with us today. I wanted to have you on because you kind of cover a lot of topics of interest uh, to us as well. So uh, one of the things that really fascinates me is obviously the title of the show, The Social Psychic Radio Show. If you could talk to those that maybe have never heard of it or don't know too much of your background, what is it uh, that you do on the show and what kind of inspired you to make that? Sure. Uh, I've mentioned to you before we start our interview that I call myself Jason Zook, the social psychic from a premonition dream I had in 2012. I became intuitive as a psychic when my grandfather passed away in 2004, on August 12, 2004. He died of a stroke. And so I always had a premonition when he died, I'd be by myself. Fast forward, that was the first time I started having mediumship experiences the night he died. He came to me in a hotel room and visited me with orbs of light and unconditional love, a wave of unconditional love washed over me. And he said to me, I love you, son. Go get some food. Don't ever worry about me. I'm always with you. And that's when I started having uh, mediumship abilities at night. Cause then I saw my best, I spoke to my best friend when I went to Panera bread, she called to check on me, my best friend, Tracy. And when she was talking to me, I said, Oh, my grandfather died. She said, Oh, uh, you don't sound so concerned. And I was like, well, orbs of light appeared waves, you know, uh, unconditional love. Long story short, I started picking up on her grandmother that passed away and it freaked me out. So for 10 years, I kind of uh, was um, reluctant to tell people that I could do this stuff. And then finally, I started my show in 2018, but I started becoming a public psychic in 2017 when I met my best friend, Megan Kane, who I'm doing another show with in the future called Psychic Visions. She persuaded me to become an open psychic, and she has her own metaphysical store here in Tampa. So I started doing readings at her shop, and over time, I got confident enough to offer it regularly. So I started my podcast about a year later in March of 2018. And the, what I started to do it was with, I didn't, I never had podcasting experience and I just woke up one day and said, I want to do a podcast. I had creative downloads. So J Jason's like the social psychic. I told you about that name, the social psychic radio show just flowed. So I started doing spiritual stuff, um, talking about UFOs, missing people, uh, the unexplained paranormal, kind of like unsolved mysteries from the eighties meets a few other genres. And then I started putting my own touch on it because in 2000, uh, 2020, when George Floyd was murdered, I decided to expand my show to social justice issues. And I decided that that was where I needed to go. So I started focusing on that next after marching and protesting peacefully. I was inspired by my spirit guides to basically enlarge my platform to include social justice and all these other things. So I've been kind of doing these things since then. And I'm at, I think, 270 episodes almost. And uh, it's been it's been a really good good time for me. Well, first off, I want to congratulate you for having such a big like impact. Two hundred seventy episodes is nothing to scoff. At. <laughs> Thank um, you. It's a lot of work and dedication, so we appreciate it. We appreciate you being here. Now, I, I do want to jump into the piece where um, the metaphysical, right? I, I, here <laughs> in this podcast, it's a it's a running gag between the guys because we all know who doesn't believe in ghosts and who does, <laughs> and it's always a conflict, right? Because like, there's no way it's not true. I'm like, it's 
I was like, listen, sometimes there's opinions and then there's facts and there's some things that we can't explain. And I feel like the little end part where we can't explain, there's a lot to like divulge. And I think having people of your, like of your expertise helps divulge in that interest piece because not everyone has the same thought. Like some people are just like dry and they're like, nope, not never going to happen. Sorry. You know, but then there's us who's like, well, maybe what if, um, and I do like having a refreshing view because most of the time podcast guests can change. And the, the theme though is what keeps them animated. So I, I can see you're very passionate about this. So my, my question to you is, um, as a psychic, more often than not, you're going to have people wanting to talk to their, their you know, past relatives uh, or, hey, I lost something. Maybe you can help me find it. But what's the most uh, like interesting case you've ran across? And, and again, you don't have to share names, but like something that, you know, well, you I, have really I can. Pick. Oh, I can. I'm happy. This is synchronicity right here. What we're talking about is synchronicity because one of my most memorable cases, if you want to call it, or cli- I call it clients and a close friend of mine at this point. I actually just did an interview yesterday with her for my show. After knowing her for four years, her name's Sandra, and she gave birth to tw- uh, two twin stillborn um, babies and lost her you know, her loved ones that way. And she came to me about six months later in April of 2018, and I, I was advertising through Groupon at the time for my pot, for my psyche stuff, because I was working as a lawyer. I'm still a lawyer, but I was working in my law office. And then after hours, I had people come meet me and they, I did the Groupon thing just to get, kind of do my, like an internship for myself. I thought like I was gaining experience and I didn't want to charge a lot for people. So I wanted to be accessible. So she bought the Groupon and showed up with her husband. And she's like, she had her arms crossed and her legs crossed. And she said, read me. And I was nervous, like, whoa, this is intense energy. But over the span, I gave her an hour reading. And during the course that I don't even offer hour readings anymore, but at the time I read her, um, I didn't know about anything. And I, I basically went through this process of picking up on the two, the two twins are still around her, still around her. And she said the hardest part of her grief after losing the twins was she thought, my God, I love my babies, but they didn't have a chance for life. I didn't get a chance to have a connection to them. And one of the things I said to her halfway through the reading, and I still have it recorded, so her and I like went over before we did the interview, was, you know, you could live for a split second, your heart could beat for a split second, you have a soul, and you're always connected to each other. And that was like the one line I gave her that made her and I super close. Now we're friends. Uh, she came to one of my birthday parties right before COVID. Um, you know, she's she's really improved her life. And I actually think she's going to have her own podcast someday about grieving and overcoming grief. And she really, in my interview, I got very emotional too, because reliving the experience of what she went through, she really went through details and um, details I hadn't heard before in almost five years. And that was probably one. I mean, I've had several like that where it's just like, you can't deny the authenticity of what's going on here. When I get goosebumps all over my whole body and the synchronicities that are aligned and I've learned Because as I said, originally I was a reluctant psychic medium because in 2004, when I first figured out that this was going on, I was a a starting out lawyer in Mississippi and Alabama. I'm licensed in five states. So I was all Southern states plus New Jersey. Wouldn't go so well if your lawyer down the street at the local office handling Hurricane Katrina cases is talking to the other side and if somebody disagrees with that. So I kept my mouth shut for about 10 years. And then over time, I found my voice and once you find your voice, it's very hard to put it back in the box. So, but that was like my most, I mean, just because of the recency of, I, I literally interviewed her yesterday at this time. So that would be a short answer to your question, just, you know, off the top of my head. And, I, and I'm glad you brought in the, 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 
the the timeline in which you were still hesitant to be like, oh, yeah. this is what I want to do. And people, <laughs> people think it's something like associated to an individual, like a, a stereotype. It's not. It's everyone has a problem. Someone sometimes doesn't want to admit out loud because of what social norms can say about it. Um, just want people to realize that these are common questions that we all struggle with. And having to come to the realization that, you know what, I'm the one dealing with it. I might as well just be happy with my choice, whatever that is, whether it be, um, you know, hey, I have people, like especially like people who have uh, alcoholism, ah, alcoholism issues. Alcoholism. They, they're like, they'll be like, you know what, I do have a problem. And once you realize that realization, even though social norms is like, well, we, you can't admit that it looks bad or for whatever reason, helps bring you back to like realizing we're still human. We still suffer. We still have questions to ourselves. And once you're happier with your answer to yourself, you can finally go forward with your life. I, I think it's I, I think it's very interesting, though, that in, in your profession as a, an attorney, you kind of uh, now even as as what you're doing as a psychic, you're still kind of doing the same thing as in you're trying to help people become whole again. Right. One is in, in a financial way, and then this is kind of maybe repairing some damage that they've done to themselves, in cycle, you know, in, in a in a psychic way, or maybe even just um, in a psychological way, right? Somebody maybe have problems and they don't really know where it stems from, and you kind of help them dive, or maybe again, if they're having issues because they lost a loved one and they think that's the end of it. Um, do, You're do, right. Do, do you you find that connection right as well between those two jobs? Those two you know. Interestingly, great. I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry. Interesting point to your question. I was originally, I'm a lawyer. I work in evidentiary things. I, I have to establish evidence in my insurance cases because I take on the insurance industry on homeowner claims. So that's why I do hurricane stuff. That's why I'm in multiple states. And in that line of work, I found a, I've found a great amount of reward over the years helping people be rebuild and get their you know lives back after losing everything from a storm. In terms of being a psychic and an intuitive uh, medium, I find that it was something that I didn't have much of a choice with. Like I'd go travel for work earlier, earlier on in my Leo career in early mid 2000s after my grandfather passed, I'd get on a plane and I'd fly to Texas to do work. And then a woman sitting next to me is grieving her daughter and I'm 32,000 feet in the air. And I have to think I'm picking up on her daughter and she's sitting next to me. Do I tell her or don't I tell her? I erred on the side of telling her. And every time I've had these experiences, it was the universe's way of saying, you're an instrument. You're an instrument for healing. You're an instrument to bring calming, relaxing uh, reassurance to somebody, clarity. Those are the things I find my, 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 what I do serves the most meaning and purpose for me. And it's gotten to the point over the years where I've kind of went from being heavily bent on just being a lawyer and keeping this hush to now this is my main forte that I'm moving into. I'm still doing the lawyering stuff, but I'm taking a step back to do podcasting, psychic stuff life coaching stuff down the road, but this, because I find that the value after the pandemic has taught me personally that no matter how much money you have in the world, you really need to have your spirituality in check in order to really be happy with yourself, your mind, body, spirit balanced. Those are the things I'm working towards. And that's where I'm like focusing my own attention on going forward. Yeah. I, I, I genuinely, well, I very much appreciate the genuine, um, you know, honesty that you, that you're, that you have when you come across, uh, or you come across as, as a person who's very genuine. Uh, and I really like that. Um, Thank you. for, for many people, when we've had conversations about different topics, I mean, in our podcast, there's no, uh, secret that we have three revolving viewpoints. Um, of course we have, we have a friend of ours who's not here today, but he, he's big on, um, the paranormal activities. Uh, I'm big on like, you know, things that, occur without an explanation, UFOs as well. Um, Void, on the other hand, he's kind of uh, 
kind of in a gray area where he's not too sure, but he believes in it. Um, I kind of, I'm more of a skeptic for sure, but I, I think anything that helps a person heal or grow, I think is beneficial to explore. And I, as you were saying, I think that's one of the most important things to have a spiritual side to it. I, I think that I was a skeptic myself, by the way, when it first happened to me, even though it was happening to me and I was experiencing it, I'd wake up the next day and go, that didn't happen. And then I'd go out about my day and encounter another spiritual experience. And it was funny because when you go from being a skeptic to being a, a, where I am now, whatever I am, I don't even classify where I am. It's kind of like, it's, it's funny how things can change. Your paradigm can shift from life experience. And that's, that's what I basically tell people. I say, no matter where you stand, if you, exp- I, didn't ex- I didn't believe in UFOs until my best friend and I, Megan, I went on a ranch uh, three years ago and I went stargazing and we saw a UFO together. And I saw a, a UFO go like 390 degree angles and shoot off. And I felt the energy of it intuitively. So <laughs> I can totally um, validate what you're saying when, in terms of people being at different places and where they might be, especially in your audience. Yeah, no. And, and, and one of the things I, I wanted to, to point out as much as I could was the fact that I don't want to ever seem like we're disregarding a different thing because we don't know. Nothing is complete. There's no knowledge that's 100% complete. There's knowledge that's very, you know, well built, but even then we don't know. Um, yeah. the, the idea of you look back at Nikola Tesla's writing of uh, the idea of electricity healing, and then now we have, we, we, there's healers that we've had on the show that talk about how there's energy that flows between people, but there's also science that backs that up as well. There's people like Wim, Wim Hof, the Iceman, who does, you know, uh, tantric breathing, and is able to control his temperature, core body temperature. He's able to heal himself, and there's doctors that hooked him up completely, and they have all recordings of the whole event, and they just don't have a real explanation for it. So there's definitely things that we don't have answers to. But sometimes I think it only takes a few bad apples to kind of ruin an entire genre, an entire you know community. So I think that, that, that it's very impressive uh, to see someone that can actually do healing um, and there's many ways to heal. I mean, I guess you don't need medicine in, in some instances, right? Sometimes you need someone to talk to, and that's a good way to heal emotionally and psychologically as well. For you, when, when you became, um, when you began to do this uh, professionally, what was like, was there any difficulty getting some close to you to kind of understand the new change and why you were so confident in your abilities? Because maybe someone had known you for many years and never imagined that you were going to take this path in life. But now that you did, you're very confident because you're seeing results. But how do you translate that to some of the people that may be skeptics in your life? Interesting question. I love it. I actually was on my own journey. And as I said, my one best friend, who's now my best friend, persuaded me that you need to do this. You need to make yourself public. Don't hide in the shadows. So my friend, my best friend, Megan, uh, other friends I had along the, that time frame, I've noticed that as I did more spiritual work and as I did, as I recognized where my path was, people, especially during the pandemic, there were certain people that weren't serving my best purpose and they fell off. And I don't focus on those people anymore because I used to be one of these people that if I was friends with somebody for 10 years, they were my loyal, you know, ride till we die kind of thing. And I realized over the long run that it's not how long you're friends with somebody, it's the quality of that friendship, the quality of the connection. So if there were people who were not serving my highest purpose, meaning supporting me and, and showing me the reciprocal uh, respect and mutual love or whatever it is I show my friends, like I, I decided I can't do that anymore. I had cancer in 2018 and my diagnosis really shook me and it showed me that time is finite, not infinite. Time is finite while we're here and that I don't want to concern myself with people that don't have, you know, my best interest in mind. If I'm there for them and if they're not there for me, then I'm not going to bother. And that, that happened in several cases and it's, it sucked. You know, you go through those life transitions, but 
then the universe, God, fills the void. You might get rid of some phony friends or fr friends who are, you know, only when it's convenient for them to be your friend. But then you find so many more quality people coming in when you let go of that dead weight. Yeah. In fact, that's where I was going with it when I was mentioning that some things that science doesn't know the answers to, but yet there's many solutions to something, right? Like you look at a math problem or an Excel formula, right? There's many ways to do it. But for you, the diagnosis of cancer for most people, really, I know that there's there's a lot of extensive science on placebo and nocebo, both, you know, affecting someone's, you know, uh, health. But in your case, once you had that and you overcame it, I guess when you first got the diagnosis, what did you turn to? What was the best way for you to kind of deal with that, with the realization that this is a condition you had? I had a little background. I'd suffered from something called diverticulitis for 15 years, and I was a chronic diverticulitis sufferer. So as a result of that, I had a lot of pain. And anytime I got about of it, I had to like sit and stay still for like a week. And I was planning a surgery to get that removed finally. So six months before I went to get a CAT scan to prepare for that surgery, I was looking at my a rear view. Uh, I'm sorry. I was looking at a, a office window, a full pane window underneath my building. And I was outside looking at it, just checking my clothes out, like, okay, do I look all right? And as I scanned myself in that full-length window that became a mirror that time, that time of day because the sun hit it a certain way, all of a sudden I said to myself, wouldn't it be weird if I had cancer in my body and didn't know it? And I was like, whoa, where did that come from? And so I went upstairs. I know when I pick up stuff that's not from my five senses, that's how I categorize something that's psychic. It doesn't derive from my, you know, one of our five senses. And this was something that just popped in my head. And I remember telling people, I think I have cancer. I think I have cancer. They're like, no, you don't. That's crazy. Get that out of your mind. Five months later, I went for the CAT scan and my doctor said, we got to postpone your surgery for diverticulitis because you have stage one kidney cancer on my right kidney. So before I actually had the diagnosis, I had a forewarn uh, that made me realize I'm very in tune with my body. And so I don't consider myself a medical diagnosis type of person. Like I can't, you know, I, sometimes I'll look at other people and tell them if I feel like they're okay, if they have like a false positive on a test or something. But in terms of giving people readings, I don't do that. But for myself, I knew enough. And then when the diagnosis happened, it jolted me. But my grandfather comforted me in dreams because he comes all the time. And he also, by the way, uh, I get signs all the time from my grandfather. I tell people in my audience all the time, look for signs. He leaves me pennies. And so when I was like, I left, the, I left my, my, I guess it was my consult with the urologist about the surgery. I went downstairs. I was, I was a little upset, but I didn't know what to make of it. And at the time, the original CAT scan, they didn't know if it was stage one, stage two, or stage three or four, because there were masses on my other parts of my body, like my liver and my lung had a mass. So I had to wait three weeks to really know definitively it was only stage one. And to say you only have stage one cancer, eh, because I had to still have surgery to remove it by freezing it off my kidney and being recovery for about a month. So, you know, that changed my life a lot. The diagnosis, I lost 50 pounds. I ended a toxic relationship. I ended a toxic business relationship. I, I shook up a bunch of my friends and those, I, I did a, I did an analysis. I said, who's serving my highest purpose right now? And when I realized that there were people in my life that just weren't there, I just said, you know what? I got to make my own path. And so from that point on, I just kind of did my thing, but the cancer diagnosis was a big deal for me. It really shook me and it, Re, it realigned myself to, I think that's why I'm doing this more now. Cause I realized I'm only here for a little while. And if I have this ability to bring calmness to people, or if I can feel like I have so much fun when I have a good reading with somebody, it, it just, or doing this interview, I'll be on a high the rest of the day, the endorphins, you know, when you have a runner's high yeah. for me as a psychic, when I have a spiritual experience, I get to read for somebody. I know I'm helping them. I have a spiritual high. It'll last hours. It's a great, and feeling. it's very reinforcing. And I like how your life also kind of, 
came to a conclusion and started at the same time all at <laughs> once, right? You had a physical, uh, you know, drama, a rebirth, body, <laughs> a and phoenix then rising moment that helped bring you back to the realization. You know what? My life also has another toxicity level of you know, you know, relationships, people in your life that probably didn't serve your, 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 your yourself correctly, right? Um, Absolutely. So things like that takes time to heal, uh, and it just so happens to be life changing <sighs> incidents happen. <laughs> right when your body's like, you know what, we can't handle it anymore either. It seems like you had a, a couple epiphanies in your life, huh? As as you have to come to realizations on what you need to sh- do to shift, you know, the momentum or the direction you're going in. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like the epiphany thing is like a daily occurrence. Sometimes I'm joking about that, but like my name, my mom gave me a little sign when I was like five years old. Jason in Greek means healer, and I didn't really think much about that. And I hold on to things. And I, I found that little thing a few years later, a few years ago, and I have it on my wall. And I'm like, that is so prophetic that I could, you know, have this ability to work with people in my life. But what I'm going to tell you is giving readings heals me. You know, it's a, it's, it's a reciprocal thing. Because when I went through my cancer diagnosis for three months, I'd still give readings to people. And guess what? The universe kept sending me people who were dealing with cancer themselves, people who were dealing with illnesses themselves. And as I gave readings to these people and I got information to share with them, I realized I am gaining knowledge and wisdom from every reading I give. The synchronicity aligns itself in such a way that I was being reassured constantly when I was giving readings to people that I was going to be okay. That's before I had the surgery. That was before my mind wasn't really there. I went through, I thought I was going through the motions for my diagnosis period. For three months, I had it. First part of my diagnosis, I didn't know if I was going to die. The second part of my diagnosis, I knew I was going to have the surgery. Then I had to recover from it. And so all three stages, I I had to stay strong. I had to stay strong for everyone around me. And the day my doctor called to tell me that the surgery was successful and that the cancer was gone, I bawled my eyes out like a baby. And I don't mind admitting that only to tell you that I knew I had this like disconnector in the diagnosis, but I'm more feeling and more in tune with myself now. And, um, that to me is, is very validating to think that I can heal other people and then I can heal myself reciprocally by doing the acts of working with other people it's it's a it's a pretty cool thing that's cool now i want to lay on your new breath of life and what you're calling yourself as the social psychic right um earlier you had mentioned that you were marching for george floyd um i imagine on that uh, down in the mississippi and in the southern belt that's probably more of a bigger controversial topic than it was here in california (laughs) but at the same time it's a big one it it affects everyone everyone thinks oh no our there's balance in our you know social forces whether and respect within our um, actual services within our public but it's not and some people don't want to see it that way and i think it's important to really point out to people that that's really what the message is when it comes to george floyd um and any other racial discrepancy that we see out there because people don't understand it could be you one day it is not you right now but it could be and that's a big scary thought if you put yourself in their shoes I'll say this to you. I'm so glad you brought that up as a secondary point. I actually was raised, you know, I was raised by my grandparents because my dad was an alcoholic, actually. So my mom, I raised, I was raised as a single parent, living with my grandparents, my mom's parents, and that's how I was so close to my grandfather. And my grandmother was was always telling me as a little kid, never talk politics, religion, or abortion. How ironic nowadays where we are, right? But for many years, I never spoke that way. I was always a moderate, like I'd vote Democrat. But I, I, I was a moderate. I never wanted to be that incensing type of figure. But what happened was when George Floyd occurred, I actually went to go get my mom some cigarettes. She was staying by me. And the road got shut down where I was going to drive. And we we're under curfew still with COVID. 
So I parked the car, I get out of the car and I go walking. I'm like, I see a, a Florida state trooper and I'm like, what's going on here? He's like, Oh, those people are protesting over there. And he had this disdain about them. And I said, Oh, thank you for letting me know I'm heading that way. So I went to my first protest as a silent observer and I was nervous. I didn't know what to expect. And we were in front of a channel 13 news station outside and the street was shut down. And I decided from that experience that I'd do it again. And I went back the next time and I realized my spirit guides were telling me, go protest, go protest, be on the right side of history. Those are the words I kept getting in my head. And I was like, I can't ignore this. Like, this isn't my role to say I can't sit by. And I'll be honest, a lot of my friends in my life from college, from high school, that are on my social media were like, what the hell are you doing? Because I started posting that I was protest. What the hell are you doing? Why are you doing that? I said, why wouldn't I be doing that? And they were just like, I felt like they were more interested in their caramel macchiato from Starbucks than they were about social justice. And it started incensing me. And then I went to uh, one of the marches and it was raining and there were thousands of us and everyone was peaceful. I had never been to any protest that wasn't peaceful. And yes, we're in Tampa and I'm in Florida. I've been here over 30 years almost. And um, I just remember walking and I, I was amongst all these people. I said, I would give my life for this. I would really give my life for this type of thing because I realized the importance of it and how it just affects me in such a way. And there's, it's a guttural kind of feeling emotional. I get choked up even when I think about, it, but that's why I've dedicated myself ever since that whole experience to do what I can to speak out when I can, because I believe if you don't speak out, you silence yourself and you're doing a disservice, not only for yourself, but for everyone else who is dealing with these issues head on. And I, I want to use my platform, my own talents and abilities to focus on everything I can to help make changes in this world. Even if it's some, small change I make. I don't care. I, I want to do that. And that's, I think, so pivotal right now. I'm shocked when I watch, like, I'll flip through the channels. I'm home a lot, you know? And with COVID, I, I flip through the channels. And I, I go on Fox News, and I'm just like, I can't watch it for more than a minute. No offense to anyone who watches Fox News, but for me, I, I have to get my news sources from various sources, and I don't like bias in the news. I don't, I don't uh, uh, you know, subscribe to that. But my point is, our troubles are too great right now. We can't ignore these things. We've got to be more involved. So, and here's a point I bring up every time we're on the podcast. It's about, you know, the three things, right? There's one side of the truth, the other side of the truth, and the absolute truth. And you can't hear it from one side. Like, as much as you, you're like, I hate the bias on this one. You have to listen to it because they can't make a bias without stating a single fact. If that's all you take from a 10-minute video is the one fact that this is what happened. Cool. That's it. That's the literal statement you just have to take. This is what happened. Not how they say it means or what it shows. No, this is what happened, right? That's what people need to realize. Because those are, those are little facts that they have to trickle through to make news. You hear it from the other side and they coincide. Boom, okay, that's the fact, right? Because um, interesting case right now, we have uh, Johnny Depp with that versus Amber Heard. There's yeah. a lot of information. People are like, well, no, this, not that. Well, there was a lot of speculation. Now that it's being brought out to light and then has to be proven or else it's not considered evidence, um, that's where that's literally every single dialogue you should have with any knowledge you have, right? Like that's for anything you're looking to, to find out. Cause there's always a ton of news out there. Whether or not it's correct is always a, 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 an argument I would say, but the more of that news comes out, the more the pieces lined up. Now your biases is what you listen to and that's where it shapes your opinion, but opinion does not get in the way of a fact. But then how do you know what effect? I uh, see when it comes to social issues, I don't know. Maybe I'm a little more different. I mean, we've always been a little different. I mean, all of us on the podcast when we do our, our I'm just saying as, as like an argument to piece, like yeah, any information, but, even if it's like, if it's not social related, like say 
Let's do a math test, for example. Yeah, right? but you, you know, I like logic. And a lot of times when you we spend, okay, what, what benefit is there to, to focus so much on, on an extremely wealthy celebrity couple when there's other issues happening? Oh, I only use that example of right, but I'm information just, overload. Yeah. Right, because right. there's a ton of people right. watching yeah. and making absolutely. There's, <laughs> there's tons of information going on now when there's issues like in Ukraine. Even before there was issues in Ukraine, and nobody, you know, you can see the I love the the contradictory elements of like how the news works is always interesting to me because there's always any organization now that has news articles about how Ukraine is in such a desperate and sad struggle. Those same news, com- those same companies were going to back those same the same media avenues would go back. A year ago, you can see their headlines about how corrupt Ukraine is and how it can't be trusted, how it's such a horrible place. And now they're like, you know, it's so bad that they're getting trampled on. I mean, the, the realization, the real thing is human life is being lost, right? Maybe unnecessarily. But these same people have, they're, they're hypocrites, right? Because they go back and they, they talk about how they hate Ukraine. Now they love it. It's just, I, I can't, I can't. It's hard to let your opinion be swayed so easily for, for me. Well, I just can't, can't. Well, I'm not saying it's an opinion of a sway. I'm saying get your information from that, right? So let, let's go to a... Uh, yeah. But I mean, I'd rather stick to like the, the psychic uh, parts of this because there's things I really want to discuss and the things I want to understand. Uh, it's always good to to form an opinion after you have so many different viewpoints created. And like I said, I, I was I was very skeptic, almost 100% skeptic on all of the things that spiritual. But the more you look into like the, the science and the history of things, like the the... If you look at the Sumerians, right, how they had they had the whole map of the solar system mapped out, like how do you have that when your technology is so ancient and you realize that the information you know about them isn't as complete as you thought? You look at the Olmecs, how they traveled the world, and they have accurate, you know, mathematics. They have access to all this science that, you know, you never knew, you never could imagine because you thought the history of the world is only 5,000 when it came to human, you know, being on it. There's so much out there that we don't understand. But when it comes to like the connection um, in, in in America, there's a big there's a big majority that is like very Christian. There's a big there's a huge Christian base in, in America. When you combine the idea of God and psychics or the, the psychic community, it seems like sometimes it conflicts with those people. Of course, you have different viewpoints. Um, I know you mentioned God before, and many people have different ideas of what God is and what God stands for. Um, it, what's the connection that you see between God and and like the, the psychic community or the psychic um, work? Great question. I'll tell you this. My belief is I was raised Catholic and I still <laughs> I still maintain uh, the parts of my faith that I feel comfortable that still fit into what I do. I will say that I believe in a higher power. I, I couldn't have survived the cancer and all the other challenges, I've been, even COVID and everything else I've been through. I think people who don't understand what this is all about, and I'm not saying every psychic's credible and has ethics, but I'm saying the ones that do and the ones who care, it's like if you know what you're doing helps people and you're spiritual about it and you can believe in a higher power i consider myself an instrument i don't consider myself to be anything more than that so just like a cell phone can pick up a wi-fi signal that's subtle i feel that somehow i could pick up messages from the other side for loved ones that are still around and my own belief about life after death is that when we die we're still around we don't we're not people go to the graveyard you know cemetery to go grieve somebody. I tell my clients to come to me, sit in your house and talk to your relatives. They're still around you. They can talk to you in your dreams. So God, to me, I say God in universe, but I, I, I'm a Christian, but I, I don't subscribe to the fact that what I do is evil or bad or inherently blah, 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 because I know what I do when I work with people I work with, when it's legit and authentic, it, it is the best experience ever. And I believe that God is love. We've heard that. I've experienced, I, I've had uh, near-death experience when I was, I, I won't call it near-death. I had a spiritual experience when I was under anesthesia, when I got 
my procedure for the cancer, I, I was actually in a garden and I felt unconditional love. And, and, I, and if you look at TV at like black and white versus 4K, when I had these spiritual experiences, it's like 10,000 K. And I knew that with the unconditional love that I felt during those experiences from that, you know, that one and another one before that, that God exists, the universe and God are interchangeable. And I also believe energy itself, you want to get scientific about it. And I'm not a scientific person, but energy is constant. We don't know enough about this stuff in order to really put our arms around it. And even when I communicate with the other side and I've had thousands of people, I believe come through from the other side, I believe that we go somewhere else. We graduate. If you think of us here on earth and this 3D world that we live in, it's like we're learning. All the stuff I mentioned earlier that I've gone through, I've learned from those experiences. And when we cross over, it's like falling asleep on the couch while watching TV. You don't even realize you're dead. You don't even realize the spirit leaves the body. I believe that we're like Cadbury eggs. If you look at a Cadbury egg, the outside's our shell, which is our body. The gooey stuff inside's our spirit. We're spiritual beings living in a physical world. And with those ideas in my mind and my paradigm shift that way, I can tell anyone who is a Christian that doesn't believe this stuff, well, you know, Jesus, for example, taught you to respect and love others. Love is unconditional. If you show love and if the true core of everything is based on love, which I believe is a universal force that keeps us connected to our other side, um, to deceased loved ones on the other side, then it, it kind of falls into place for me, at least, for my paradigms. Now, people who are a strict adherence to their religion, I respect them. I don't, I don't, I, I believe in the, you're in your lane and I'm in my lane. Like, if you want to, you know, don't believe what I do, that's fine. A, a week ago, I had a lady call me for a reading and she started out as a skeptic. And I said, look, I have another reading coming up in a half hour. If you want to talk to me, I'll talk to you now, but I'm not here to take a test for you. And, you know, I found out basically she had mental health issues that have nothing to do with me. So I recommended she see a counselor. And I stopped the reading because I wasn't connecting with her and she wasn't in the right mindset to be able to be read. So my point in sharing all that is we're at different points. We're on a journey. Everybody the last two years has seen what suffering can be like. I like the idea that if there's anything we do as healing modalities that could help us feel better and make us believe in something that's larger than ourselves, that connects all of us and unites us, that's what I subscribe to. And in that sense, I do believe in a God. I believe in God. I believe in the universe. I believe in loving energy. I believe in interconnectedness, the golden rule, the Ten Commandments, all those things fall in line for me. I, and I appreciate that because I think in many cases uh, that there is, even within the same religion, people have different levels of sensitivity, right? Some people can drink one bottle of like Budweiser. Someone else can't even look at the bottle, right? The box. And then some people will let their kids watch Disney. Other people won't. So everybody's different. So I, I really appreciate you highlighting the points of, you know, how different beliefs can coexist as long as people can, you know, understand how to let each other have their freedoms. I really, I really think that's very important. Uh, and I do think if, some, like I said earlier, like even if I'm, I may be uh, more skeptical on certain topics, uh, I do believe spirituality is important. I do believe there's a creator. There has to be something that made all things possible. So I do believe in certain things, but I am a little bit of a skeptic. But I, like I said, I do appreciate different things that help people heal. I would never take a medicine that doesn't work for me away from someone else because that can work for them, right? If I don't like lifting weights, I like running, well, I'm not going to protest to close down all the gyms, right? Because I don't like lifting weights. Everybody should have the option to choose whatever they feel is best. And I think uh, that's right. one of the things that's missing in today's society. So I appreciate like, different modalities of reaching uh, a, a healthy life, right? Um, Thank you. One of the things that, that I, I remember hearing a guru say um, was that life is compartmentalized into three pieces, right? Uh, the past, the present, and imagination. And uh, that makes me think about a lot of things uh, when you hear that. Of course, it's just one person's viewpoint, but there's some aspects to it that to them is is real and works for them. When I think of it, 
I think um, sometimes uh, nothing things can't be denied that th- that situations occur that are out of our control, but yet feel um, familiar. Something like deja vu, right? A science. There's not much science on it. There there is some science that's starting to emerge on what they believe that phenomenon is, but none of it is concrete. Uh, when you hear things like Spiritual, uh, I mean, guess I, I, again, for those people who don't understand what deja vu is, uh, is, is the idea of you being in a place, talking to a person, or experiencing a moment that feels like it's happened before. I swear you said this before. Right. We, we have, <laughs> but just in case, because you never know. So the, it's, it's experiencing something for the first time, yet it feels like it's happened before, whether it be hearing something, talking to somebody, or whatever it is. The, you know the, what I think that is? I don't mean to interrupt you, but yeah, go ahead. I'll say a few things. One, time is a human construct is what I understand from people on the other side that come through. We created time. Time doesn't exist in the spiritual realm. So that's one thing to say. Two, when it comes to uh, the idea that we kind of create with our own imagination, I believe that too. But I think that we're connected in such a way that we, when it comes to our spirituality or at least understanding it, it's like, where is our place with one another, our interconnectedness? Because that's the point that I've gained from all the meditative stuff I've done and all the things I've done over the years is we shouldn't separate ourselves. Let's look at, for example, the three major religions. We have more in common with those religions than we don't, yet we're all separated. We don't need to be separated. And that's my, my thing about spirituality. Why do we separate ourselves? Why do we have to put ourselves in these boxes? You know, why do people in terms of tribes and groups and nationalities and all these things it's because we don't understand all these things in greater detail than we need to. And I think spirituality can help fill that in if you journey inwards. Because I'll tell people, people ask me all the time, how do you become more intuitive? Oh, and deja vu, by the way. I believe that that's a very like basic version of precognitive abilities. That if you can see something and sense it ahead of time, I think everybody's psychic, by the way. I think all of us in this world have some levels of spirituality that interface with us and touch us in a certain way. When we deal with a grief of a, a pet or a loved one, we can feel their energies and dreams. And I believe that like most of us are empaths too. I think that those are the, the basic building blocks of building your spiritual con- compass to be a psychic. And I tell anyone who asked me, well, how did you, how did you get from point A to point B? How'd you go from being a skeptic yourself to now doing what you do? I say, I meditated a lot and I just worked day by day and journeyed inward. And over time I, I learned to appreciate that there are things that I may not understand, but over time I gain an understanding. And so that's how I've approached a lot of this stuff is like, I didn't know about half the stuff I learned over the last I learned everything through my show, to be honest with you, show and experiences and personal, you know, experiences myself. Like I, I started out in 2017 kind of as a newbie, like what is this stuff all about metaphysical? And I have crystals like crystal healing and meditation and breath work. And you brought up Wim Hof and all these things like I, there's it's like different branches to a tree. Yeah, absolutely. I think even Reiki healing from Japan is old. Uh, time I'm going there next week to learn it. I'm going to California next next week to get tuned master levels Reiki healing. I've done it before, but I'm doing a, a fresher course. That's amazing. We had Victoria Volk on. Uh, she she was uh, she's a big name in the community now, but she was uh, she was explaining about Reiki healing before. And it's really incredible because it really takes the concept of like somebody like Nikola Tesla or even what magnets are doing now for MRI scans. But they're doing it on a more centralized tuning and, you know, more private connection type of uh, healing. I, I don't know how to describe it very well. Even with the explanation she gave us, there's some areas where I don't understand, but I do completely get that the fact that electricity can help heal somebody because I mean, we're, we're 90, what, 8% I mean, water. And of course you can, you can, it makes logical sense. I'll, I'll say this. 
if you think of Reiki healing and if you think of energy as constant, everything I believe is based on energy too. Energy is like what fuels us. It's our spirit and our soul and energy are all interchangeable in my mind. So if you can use your energy and tap into the universal energy that's between all of us and we don't see it and we don't perceive it, it's like a, a subtle Wi-Fi signal. I tell people, you wouldn't know there was a Wi-Fi around you unless you had a device to pick it up. Well, if you quiet your mind and you learn to meditate and be reflective and have mindfulness and, and, and follow these principles like manifestation and the secret and the law of attraction, all those things I do, I'm a practitioner of it. If you learn to do that over time, it's kind of like when you want to stargaze. You can't see the beautiful sky that's above us in the heavens in the middle of New York City if everything's lit up and you got light pollution. Well, you're not going to connect to your spiritual side if you're doubtful and if your your thoughts are erasing and you're not able to really quiet those thoughts, you got to rid yourself of that pollution in the mind, quiet yourself, become mindful, become present and journey inwards. And over time, I believe you can be uh, more in depth with this stuff and understand it firsthand. And once you experience these things, like if you've gone for a Reiki healing session with a real practitioner, that's good. Once you have that kind of experience, and you start going into other experiences and you open yourself up with the idea that, you know what, maybe what I learned when I was younger isn't everything that exists. The world's your oyster. The universe is your oyster. You will learn so much about healing and so much about the, you know, they say that the mind has how much of its potential tapped at the moment. Well, I believe very heavily in that. And I think that intention is powerful. So and, and one of the things I wanted to ask before, too, because I think it's important because I, I want um I always believe in, in having more information to be able to make better decisions. Um, what would you say is the difference between spirituality and imagination? You know, I love that question. And I'm going to tell you why. I have my own theory that anyone who's really spiritual and in tune, and I'm going to use my, my analysis, my, my example here, athletes, right? Laser focus, excel on the field, excel in the, in the court. They are highly intuitive. They're probably likely very spiritual as well. Also creative. How many people have you seen in this world that are amazing music artists, uh, DJs, or people who draw? I bet you anything, they're tapping into a spiritual energy within themselves that intuitively enables them to create what they create. I get creative downloads. I created a, a second podcast idea from a download when I was in the shower a couple months ago. It was a creative download. It just popped in my head and then I got ready. I got in front of my computer and typed it out and came up with it. I believe that we all have that. And so for me, spirituality and imagination are interconnected because of our ability to express ourselves creatively, to tap into the creative energy and flow of the universe to create things. Creating is, is, is a, it's a force of itself. I think when I can express myself through being creative with my show, I think that it's just powerful. And what you guys are doing with this, it's powerful because you're creating too. When we put digital content out there, that is, you're going to leave something that lasts forever. And that also relates to spirituality because if you're creative and you create things that last forever, you're kind of transcending your own physical life at that point. If you look at Galileo, if you look at all these, you know, philosophers from thousands of years ago, they created things that became, you know, it withstood the test of time. And that's what creativity is. And imagination, without imagination, you couldn't be creative. Yeah, I, I maybe uh, this is what I think. And then you can, I want to hear different opinions because I always, including our audience is always seeking to reach out and maybe find out different ways to do things. So I, I love that about the people that listen. But again, I, I always try to think of it this way. I think imagination comes from within us and spirituality comes from without, right? It comes from somewhere else. We don't know an idea. A comedian can have a joke and sometimes they're just grasping at straws and all of a sudden they get like the ancient, 
ancient Greek used to call it having a, uh, oh, I just lost the name. Uh, having uh, like a pixie or a fairy. What, what's the name? Uh, a fae? No, no, it's it's something that, anyways. Well, it's it's having muse. Yes, a muse. A muse. A muse. Yeah, I have that. I have muse. I've had a muse. I've had a couple of muses in my life. I've had people I met who I hung out with and had an amazing connection with, and then they stopped talking to me, and that inspired me. <laughs> and I became like, holy cow, how did I get all these ideas? When you go through, you meet muses. There's muses in our lives all the time. Yeah, and I feel like I'm still forming the, the constructive idea of what is what. You know, obviously, as we're getting older, we're still, I'm trying my best to not be concrete. You know, I'm not, I don't want anything to harden around me. I want to continue to grow and be malleable when it comes to ideas. But I feel like at this point, I feel that imaginations do come from within us, right? We can imagine it. We create. We, we're based off of creator beings or a creator God. So we want to create, whether it be a building, whether it be a podcast, whether it be a design or whatever, we want to do something createful, create, that creates. We also have experiences like a muse, right? Like you said, you have an idea that just you don't know where it popped from, but it came from somewhere. Spirituality or muse or whatever someone calls it, I feel like that's where the energy, you know, it's, it's like someone takes, it's like you're playing a video game. You just took control of the character. You're just, you're being moved and you don't know why or where or for what reason. I feel like that's that's a similar connection. But then it makes me wonder about purpose and lobotomies and what is a person's self. So it, it, and here's, here's maybe a little bit more before I get to the question. Um, obviously, most people understand what a lobotomy is, right? It's a, it's a procedure that is really frowned upon, obviously, because it doesn't really work. But it does do something instrumental to make us think about life. A person likes chocolate. A person likes loves their wife or their kids. If they have a lobotomy, a person, a part of them is gone. Or even if they, they get a stroke or even if they begin to get develop Alzheimer's, like that person is no longer the same person they used to be. It's very easy to fracture a human being's existence or who they are. Because maybe they don't, they went from liking something to now shifting and not liking that at all. It's either a different person entered the body, which is something that I've heard, or the mind is just easily, you know, you can love somebody and then you can create infatuation for another person. Someone can manipulate that because the mind is easy to manipulate to certain, to a certain degree. It, it, so when I hear somebody saying like maybe, um, and it's not against you or any, uh, trust me, trust me, I, I'm open to the idea. I want, I want to learn more and I want to see different viewpoints. But here on the podcast, we had a discussion about the afterlife. I said, I, for me, it feels like once the light's out, it's out. Maybe energy releases back into the universe, but your conscious or that energy doesn't like ice cream the way I like ice cream. It's like that energy that fed the robot is the robot. The energy returns back to the grid, but the robot ceases until you turn it back on or you do something to it. Because I feel like when you look at the examples that we have for lobotomies, again, that's like the, the most, the crudest example of it. But again, we look at something naturally like Alzheimer's or whatever. That person shifts and ceases to be the person that we remember or that that was. It's a completely different human being now and you can't get the old person back. It's gone. It's, it's just you shifted them. So if, if their spirit leaves their body, it, for me, I don't I want to see the connection of how that person's likes, dislikes, their their whole being still stays within a spiritual energy. Because if you can affect the physical body and then that spirit that person changes, then what's to say that you can't do that to the spirit? I don't know if that makes sense, but I, I think I'm following you and I'll, I'll add to this in, in reflection what you're saying. Like if someone has a stroke, like my grandfather had a stroke. And one thing that I left out was when he died, I actually got to see him. Uh, he had a stroke on like a Sunday and I got to fly up there temporarily on a Monday. When he died, when he died, he died a few days after that. I got to see him, but he was not able to communicate with me. But by holding my hands a certain way and I felt the energy from him, even though he couldn't talk, even though he wasn't able to move, he still had something in him that his hands communicating with me. I felt it. And it made me cry, but there was something still there with my grandfather. But 
after he crossed over, he communicated with me like we're talking right now, except it's, you know, telepathically or spiritually. And so I, I believe that if someone suffers a stroke, they're still there, but that the physical manifestation of that person might be, you know, the body is a machine. Mm -hmm. If you think of avatar, the movie, I believe that we are machines, our bodies, not our, our spirit. And that it's in case the spirit is encased in the body. So if someone has a damage to their body, mental health is the same way to me. If someone deals with mental health and they cross over, like my own grandmother had mental health issues. When she crossed over, I don't, she doesn't communicate like that anymore. Neither does my father, who was an alcoholic. I never had a relationship with him. He came to me in dreams over a series of five years, asking me to forgive him for being absent in my life and all the negativity he caused me. It took me five years, but I finally did forgive him. And the reason I've learned from all the people I've worked with on the other side is when you're here, your body is what it is, but just like a computer can break down, a car can break down, our bodies can break down. So if someone deals with a stroke, a lobotomy or whatever it is, they may seem different here. Spiritually, they're still the same. The expression of that here is what is distorted by the, the issue with the physical. The, the mind, body, spirit is what I believe in. So if you think of it that way, you know, the spirit is always there. The spirit connects us. And you were right about it being from without, but I also believe it connects us within. So there's, and it's, it's probably stuff above even my pay grade. Cause I have only been doing this, you know, since Oh four, but I believe that in the next 30 years or so science is going to catch up with spirituality. We're going to have devices that can pick up the subtle energies that exist when we cross over, we're going to be able to understand why it is we go where we go and what we do and all these other things. So I have my own theories, my own ideas. And I like that. I, again, this is this is the kind of stuff that I, I love having. I love this kind of conversation by itself because it's yeah. like, as I said, I learned from every conversation I have, but also understanding your viewpoints helps me kind of look at things in, in, a, in a different way as well. Like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. But I have my own viewpoints because of my experiences. Yeah, no, absolutely. absolutely. I think when people are listening to this, they're like, I really want to reach, reach out to him. I want to know more about what he does and how he can help me in my life. I, I want them to be able to do that. And I know we have a healthy number of uh, listeners that, that usually reach out to those that come on. So I love that. And I want them to kind of do whatever healing they need and any investigation for themselves apart from this, if they want to go and read or what that's up to them. But I really want them to challenge their maybe previously onset beliefs about certain things. Cause I do think that there's a, like I, I mentioned before, I'm, I'm a big believer in that there is spirituality, there is energy. And some people reference the Bible when they said that God is energy, God created all things. And yet you see that there's dark matter that science knows is there, but doesn't understand. There's a lot of things that we have limited understanding with, whether it be because our capacity to understand or our technology to be able to sense it. But there's so much out there that there's no way one of us has all the answers for all of it. And that's why the afterlife is an interesting one to me because everyone I love it. It's one of the biggest topics, I think, when people get into the discussion of like what happens to a spirit or to a person. Right? I can tell you that from my belief, at least, if you'd I, like I, me I, to. I would love to hear it. Yes. Okay. So my understanding of life after death is it's uh, what's been told to me from all the times I've done readings with people on the other side is the experience is pretty universal. If I was to tell you that you're breathing right now, would you believe you're breathing? Yes. Why? Because you know you're breathing, right? But if I said pay attention to the fact that you're breathing every second and their breaths occur, your breath occurs as we're talking, you don't pay attention to that because it's an automatic thing in the body, right? Well, death is a part of nature. Breathing is a part of nature. Uh, everything is interconnected. Have you ever been in a sensory deprivation tank? Yeah. I went in one twice. And one of the things I got from both experiences is that we are all one. We're interconnected. Even the ways of animals to us and the earth and the planets and the universe and subatomic particles are all one fabric that we aren't really aware of. 
If you were to get on a spaceship and get out into outer space and look at the planet, you'd see one planet. You wouldn't see 7 billion people. Just like if you were to look at life after death, it's it's like this. You're It's like falling asleep on the couch while watching TV. That's just a subtle way it gets expressed to me, meaning you don't even know you're dead. And most people who die, uh, the reason we get a greeter on the other side, which by the way is what I understand happens, you get a greeter. So let's say there's a, a someone that crosses before you that you're connected to that you know for a fact you love them with every part of your heart. They greet you. And what they do is they orientate you and they tell you, hey, you're on the other side. I know. And, and, and most people that come back to tell me is like they're disappointed they were dead. And why didn't we know this in life? Why couldn't I know that my entire life that when I crossed over, it, even if it's a violent death and someone's bludgeoned or someone has a car accident or gets hit by a train from behind, because I've read people who got hit by a train from behind and they both told me they never suffered. Uh, it was literally like, wow, going from one spot to the next. Um, and when you're there, you're now without all your physical frailties. You don't have pain anymore. You don't have mental health issues. You don't have anxiety. You're, you're in this new realm and you're aware of that new realm. And then you realize that you're connected to your loved ones on the other side through love. And your love is like the, un, it's like the invisible umbilical cord. And I, I posted about this on my site several years ago. It, it's like, we're their reality show to them. If you want to use a reality show analogy, they watch us. They look after us. I know I'm spiritually protected. I've had things happen in my life when my grandfather's interceded and told me, you're going to be all right. You'll be fine. Don't worry. Hurricane, one of the hurricanes was hit Tampa. Oh, you'll be fine. The pandemic, you'll be fine. You're going to get it, but you'll be fine. You won't die. Those, I, I get that stuff all the time. And when people come through from the other side during my readings, they're always coming through observing things that are happening to the person now. The person who comes to me for the readings depressed that their dad died five years ago. They're real sad about it. They come to me and their dad's talking to them about how they just got their haircut. He really likes it. He likes their new blue car. He knows that they had a fight with their partner and that they, he should really, that the person should really think about staying with that person. Like all these details, there's no way I would know any of that. And yet the loved one comes through to share it. And it's, it's kind of like a charades. <laughs> I've never played charades, but I get messages. I get sentences. I get visions. I'll get, you know, recurrent memories or whatever it is they bring up to say or share. They'll do that. And, and usually when that happens and, and when it's a perfect experience where I say I can connect and the other person's open to receive, it's just so powerful for me. And it makes me realize there's no way I could be doing this on a regular basis where I could shift gears from my human mode where I'm talking to you guys right now. And then later on, I'll have somebody call me. And next thing you know, I'm kicking into helping them find a missing object, helping them grieve with a missing, you know, a deceased pet or a deceased loved one. So I think when it comes to these things, I'm still learning too. And I believe, you know what? I respect that you have some skepticism because guess what? We're all on our own journey. Yeah, and I believe yeah. we're all in our own spiritual awakening. Some of us are slower than others. I got thrusted in the deep end when my grandfather passed away. He decided to pop in my life and change things forever. Here I am. And I'm more of a messenger now because of that. But other people, they have deaths and they deal with death and, and they deal with it differently. People run away from it. People try to mask over it. People try to ignore it. Or there'll be people who embrace it and all of a sudden say, I, I don't understand this. My mom passed away and now I notice all these things happening with angel numbers, times of day. You know, I'll be thinking about my mom and she's been dead and I'll look at the clock and it's 11-11. Or I'll put on the TV and her favorite movie's on. Or I'll get in the car and drive and her favorite song in the radio happens. Like those kind of synchronicities are breadcrumbs. I've learned about that since the last three years, that there are ways that they communicate to us in subtle breadcrumb kind of ways that if you're aware of it between your thought and the synchronicity of whatever's presented to you, a bird, a penny, a sign from heaven, whatever those are, 
they exist. And I think they give us a knowledge to know that we're just not here alone and we don't have to look at it that way. So if we don't want to. now we've talked about the afterlife substantially now. Oh, wait, I, I have a few questions on it. If, if we can't fine. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Uh, cause I, I, I love this cause this, these discussions are, are rare to have, but they're really beneficial. I think at the end of the day, um, welcome to my world. <laughs> I have them all the time. I'm, 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 I'm honestly, a little envious in a, in a very, in a good way, because I wish I, I had more people that, um, would, would have these kind of conversations. Uh, we, we had, a, um, when I had the afterlife explained to me, there's all sorts of uh, ideas of, uh, different kinds of spirits, right? The human spirit, there's already existing spirits that aren't human, but just exist in that realm or animal spirits. Um, when you think of that, uh, one of the things I, I think about to myself, if somebody was a bad person, in, in, in life, physically, whether it be because they got abused or whether it be because whatever happened to them, right, financially or emotionally, psychologically, they, they had a bad life. Maybe they reacted badly to people. Maybe they were serial killers. Maybe they, they passed laws that affected people negatively. Maybe they were, they were corrupt politicians. Once they die, their spirit, in a sense, like you said, get, gets embedded with uh, almost like an umbilical cord of love, right, attached either to family members or to the earth itself or to another spiritual being. But once they pass over, do, do those people get redeemed? Are they now like sacred, like good spirits? Or do, they, do they become, do they convert into uh, evil spirits or what, what happens to them? You know, interesting question. I, I liked it. The fact that you can ask me that. I believe we're all born innocent, right? How many of us come out of the womb being a bad person? <laughs> I don't know many. It's we learn to be bad over time. <laughs> this <guy>. um, <laughs> Sorry. This in, in, in time, you know, and, and so my opinion on that is, my understanding from when everybody comes through and talks to me, they don't talk in terms of heaven and hell and brimstone and purgatory, even though that's what the Catholic faith, for example, talks about. Instead, they say everyone's on the other side and the people who are bad in life. My dad was one of the worst people I could have ever pointed to between his drug abuse and everything he did. Um, but now he's on the other side. He's in peace because he his physical infirmities that made him bad or his alcoholism or his, you know, whatever it was, mental health issues that were undiagnosed and untreated. It, it, it created that his persona while he's alive. And now on the other side, I actually have a loving relationship with my dad. I sound crazy talking like that, but I have one picture of my dad and me and my mom, and my brother, and I was four years old and I never looked at that picture after I forgave him in a series of dreams and meditated and really worked through it. I have his picture framed in my living room and I look at that picture, even though I'm a little kid in it. And I always talk to him. Like, I must sound crazy doing so. But for me, it's my authentic connection to my father. He was the quintessential bad person boogeyman in my life. And yet now he's on the other side and he's a different person because he's no longer afflicted. So bad people, corrupt politicians, all these kind of people that have these issues. I'm not one to say who gets judged when they cross over, but I'll just say it's always been presented when I've done these thousands of readings. It's never presented the way we think of it as the brimstone waiting at the gates of heaven to wait to get in. It's more like, hey, you know what? Uh, we're here. We're all together. <laughs> Yeah. We're united. We're, we're with each other. Everyone's together. That's what everyone um, was beforehand, right? So everybody was together before and, and, and everybody comes himself. back together. And I believe, and I've only recently arrived at this own assertion that I believe that life lessons are why we go through the heartache and the stuff we deal with here, because we become like higher level individuals, even those who suffer or cause suffering on others. I believe go back to the other source and become higher individuals. Now I, I don't, I don't, believe serial killers and all that. I don't know where that is. I haven't had anyone on the other side who was a serial killer. It's not like I, I channeled Adolf Hitler or Stalin or somebody, you know, like I. Yeah. So the, the, that's what came to mind. So what would happen then? I, it would be safe to assume then that 
Hitler after all his atrocities and like Saddam Hussein and all these people uh, now joined in like a loving current of other spirits of other humans that have crossed over. Most it must likely, be very awkward. It must be awkward. I would imagine. Right? <laughs> I would say. I would say. You know, personally, when someone calls it that degree of of negativity, I believe in karma. So you know, maybe Hitler got, you know, recreated as a roach. <laughs> maybe uh, Saddam Hussein is you know doing something else. I don't know, but I just think that it's interesting to think about that because. I believe heavily in karma and I'm an eclectic approach. So I oh, believe that if but, you have but, the golden rule, but if karma, ahead. if karma affects people while they're alive because of the things they're doing, but if what they're doing while they're alive is also an affliction of physical manifestations of things that happened to them or with them, then when they're spirits, none of that should count against them. It should be like, now they're back to being clean because all what they well, did or experiences, the, even the atrocities they committed, it was because of the life, the, the physical elements that you know, I think there's universal rules that I haven't had access to yet. Mm. <laughs> I've only been doing this and so forth. I haven't, I haven't cracked that nut yet. You know, it's an interesting point. What about these people who are mass murderers, Ted Bundy, yeah. whoever you can think of? I, I will say this. I know that when you cross over, you are no longer afflicted. If it was a mental illness issue affecting the person, then you're not affected by that mental illness anymore. So that would be where they could be a different person altogether in the spiritual side. And they wouldn't suffer on the other, other side of things if that's the part of it. But I, I know there's a dark side. I don't delve into the dark side myself, though. No, 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 I always look, focus on the healing side. Yeah, which is a good thing. I, I just I, I thought to myself that those questions. Because it's a good I, question. I, 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 I know if people like the guy, the, the officer that killed George Floyd, he had mental I, issues. When you really dive into his kind of his his every time that he had a evaluation in his police department, there was obvious mental issues. Whether his 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 childhood. Now that we know more about his 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 abuse that he went through when he was a child not to excuse what he did and what he had been doing in his career as a police officer. But obviously the things that, that he did should be excused then once he well, passes over because they're a fact of they're part of his, you know, of his afflictions his, his physical, he's acting out of based off his, you know, he's, he's been, uh, if a there's only so far you can go into having, I mean, if you have your knee on someone's neck for nine minutes and watch them bleed the life out of them, I, 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 I would have to say that that is definitely somebody who, I can't find it. It's hard to find a humanity in someone like that for me. I'm just being honest with you. It's hard for me to look at that person and say that person's afflicted. That's why I, I, I also think there's free will involved. I believe and when someone has hatred yes. in their veins so deep and deep as it is within someone like him, you know, there's other things at work that aren't just afflictions. Yeah. In my that's, that's my point. I think for me, it's very hard sometimes to kind of let and let be when I know that there's, there's free will. I know that we, we had a couple of conversations here about destiny, and I think that's another one because I believe I believe that there is coincidences, and I believe sometimes people make their own life choices, kind of like the, the secret, right? Someone can choose to manifest things. If I want to become a cop and I'm an evil person, I can make it happen too. Just like you can make good things happen, you can make bad things happen. So when I see those kind of choices, I'm like, I, I, it's hard for me to let excuse a lot of uh, people's actions because i know that some of it is called look if someone is homeless a lot of things went against them maybe they were living in a red line situation where they were unfairly put in a neighborhood where they didn't get the right education the right protection the right food the right you know a lot of things could have gone wrong but it's just it's a complicated situation the more that you really dive in and you see the roots and i know that the uh, void here like next to me like we, we've had these discussions uh and i want to approach things from a place of healing but the, then I know that there's also a limit to the healing. And I'm like, well, if we're healing, there, sometimes there shouldn't be a limit, but there has to be. Because otherwise, then it, then it breaks apart and the logic breaks apart. 
So you need to have laws in place. You know, just because someone was speeding because they were drunk because they got somebody broke up with them, that's not a good excuse for why you ran over like three kids. You know, on the way home. That so that there's there's limits to to things, but it's hard. Uh, I know that. So I don't want to get into dark. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I, uh, the more I think, no more, I, I I tend to go into these conversations. The name is Dark Void at this point. Kind of got it. But I think in general, everybody rather have a life where because everybody has the same thing. You want to acquire some level of resource so you can live somewhat comfortably, live in peace. You don't want to look after your shoulder every time that some you know someone might be killing you or, or harming you. You want to have a family. You want to love them, and you want to love the people around you, your friends, your your family. You want to be able to provide for them as much as you can. You want to be able to give something to the community and receive things from it. Everybody wants peace at the end, but the way they approach it is so harmful sometimes. So I think what you're doing is the best way to approach it because not only are you combining the physical elements of it, like you said, the mind, the body, and the spirit, I think this the spirit is one of the most overlooked items because after during the pandemic we saw a lot of teenagers commit suicide because their spirit was broken and they had nobody to talk to the, the resources that they normally had even as limited as they were were available to them and now during the pandemic they had no way of really reaching out to that so i really think the spirit is one of the most important things to the spiritual aspect is the thing that we've seen less and less of as time goes on well and, and, and to return back to a positive point how would you increase uh, awareness of the spirituality that people need uh quiet the mind you could be sitting in traffic i used to have to drive in traffic when i lived up north in new jersey where i grew up and now i work from home a lot but quiet the mind when you're when you're listening to this quiet your mind and i tell people take three deep breaths and if you take three deep breaths and you quiet your mind you'll find there's a stillness there that stillness could be your entry into starting to be more spiritual the more you can reflect be mindful journal have stillness go i go for reflective walks all the time and the calmer you can be think of fight or flight you know not having that kind of trigger thing make you have to be anxious and and uh, and uncomfortable i think you would be able to understand there's more spirituality around you than you realize because it's not meant to be something that's cryptic it's not like only some people have spirituality in their lives and all these other people just don't like when someone tells me they're atheists i'm like I respect that you're in your own lane, but if you've never had any spiritual experience happen in your life, I would pray that you do because you don't need to explain and understand everything in order to experience it. And it's like people who I had on my show to have ayahuasca where they go to a shaman in South America and they take the ayahuasca and they have this spiritual trippy experience and they connect with a shaman or whatever. And I, I find a, a uniform thing there. People are always searching. No matter who we are, we're all searching for something else, right? We're all trying to make sense of something. And so my opinion is anything you can do that can give you an answer, even if it's a small answer, it's still something valuable. And so for anyone in the audience who's questioning like what they want to have in terms of more spirituality in their life, I would say the only obstacle to that is yourself. If you can open your mind and if you could say, I'm going to take my, my glasses off, and I'm going to have an open mind. And I'm going to go, for example, go to Sedona, Arizona. Go to a spiritual place. Be in nature. I went to Sedona in 2016, and I didn't believe. My best friend owns a crystal shop, and she kept gifting me crystals. And I was giving them to other friends that we we're mutually friends with because I considered them pet rocks. And I'm like, what's this rock going to do for me? And then I went to Sedona, and I fell asleep with an amethyst pendant on, and it gave me the craziest experience. And I realized, holy cow, I'm opened up to this. Like, I can meditate with crystals and be calmer. I can uh, go for a walk and be reflective and be inspired. I can meditate before I go to sleep, ask for guidance, and then wake up with an answer. 
And it's crazy how that can happen. But when you're in tune with it, you can do that, in my opinion. Absolutely. Well, one of the things a lot of of students, uh, at least kids that I've seen um, that are now going from high school to college, I have some friends and family that that are within that age group. One of the things they say that is hard because they're expected to know what their purpose in life is at that age. I'm like, you're not because you have so much life to live. But for for those people, one of the one of the reasons why I feel the more conversations I have with people in that age group that tend to to feel depressed and feel anxious is because they feel like they should have life figured out by that point. I'm like, if you only knew how much knowledge you have access to now that I didn't have access to when I was your age, knowledge can also hurt you. Right. So (laughs) it really can. Right. Because you don't know what to do with it. You don't have the wisdom yet to know how to apply that knowledge. For you in your situation, when you come across young ones that maybe are seeking that kind of advice, what would you tell them when it comes to the topic of purpose? Don't be hard on yourself if you don't know your purpose yet. Your purpose will evolve as time goes on. Your life experiences will help focus you on your purpose. The main thing, the purpose to me is meaning. If you can find something that gives you meaning, you'll develop the purpose. For me, for example, I now tell people I trained to become a lawyer but I've always been intuitive, spiritual, and psychic. I just wasn't aware of it. And my life purpose is a mixture of both, but I I gain greater reward doing this stuff so much more. Podcasting to me is such a passion. Being creative is a passion. Those are things I didn't have when I was younger in my 20s as an aspiring attorney who wanted to conquer the world and make all this money and do all these things. And then I realized, you know what? You can make a good sizable amount of money, but it doesn't matter if you're not connecting. It doesn't matter if you're not looking at things larger than yourself. I think we need to have compassion. Purpose comes with compassion. It comes with the ability to see things from not just a selfish, you know, point of view. You, you know, you mentioned homeless people earlier. When I go for my walks, Tampa, like most cities, has a pretty sizable homeless population. And I felt heartbreaking when I passed homeless people. I wish if there was something in my means in the future, we as a society could figure out how to handle that. You know, why does anyone in 2022 have to suffer like that? Why is Ukraine suffering? Why is there suffering in the world? That's a mystery that's still evades my mind. And then I realize it's not spiritual to be suffering. It's the it's it's the human experience we're having because our society hasn't been able to handle those things yet. We have, we stand in our way on an individual basis and then collectively as a, as a society in wherever you are. Yeah. And with the introduction of technology into the, the, the world history or into the history of where we live now, because we know that technology existed before, we just don't know to what degree, but now with the uh, with AI and automation, it kind of con- it's still it's, it's a different view, a different lens when it comes to spirituality. But it can actually help us. My thought on this was, if somebody wants to dedicate time to being spiritual, they can do it at any time. They can begin at any time. But sometimes, again, like anything, you need more time availability to be able to to meditate. Um, you can do three minute sessions, and you can still get a lot of benefit from it. But to really get like the most, just like if you want to do pia- play piano, you can do it for ten minutes over the course of ten years, and you'll become great. If you do it, you know, for hours daily, you'll become greater faster. Is, is do you see a way that you know AI, co- computer, you know, automation be able to help the world become a little bit more spiritual? Do you see? Because oh, we're not going to shy away from technology. How would you see it That's what, happen? We're doing it right now. We're communicating to each other through a, a lens and a computer in different parts of the country, and we're podcasting with Zoom. And we're recording ourselves and putting ourselves on a platform that get mass distributed to all these other people that I never meet, you never meet. Yeah, we're just having a conversation with each other, answering questions. Yeah. That's an example of technology spreading spirituality. And what right you now. don't know is that uh, Z's an AI the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> oh, 
That's a good. No, well, I, I, I think that there's a lot of benefits. I always think of like if automation takes over, maybe most people can have their own businesses, or you can send your own your own robot to go to work for you, and, it, <laughs> and you can come home and focus on the arts. I think arts is a is a direct portal to spirituality or imagination or whatever. I love that. Wants to call it. I agree. Because I, mean, I agree. If you have the time, you know, you maybe everybody has an inclination to be able to to podcast or be able to sing or write or draw. But no one really has the time in most cases with all the stress that happens in life to really sit the passion. Down. Exactly. To be able to you to, need the to, passion. To, yes. Sometimes you can discover the passion. Sometimes someone can light it for you. Someone sometimes you can just randomly start a match and you're like, wow, I'm just gonna draw a doodle and then like, wow, actually this doodle's not so bad. I'm gonna try it and make it and then it sort it sort of grows. So I see that technology can help in that degree. So I'm wondering in, in your aspect, if, if you, you're already using it, obviously with uh, with the podcasting, like you said, you have I do some- readings this way. I do virtual readings through Zoom and phone Whoa, uh, during the I pandemic. That's what I was going to ask. I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I do in-person readings too now in my in my hometown, Tampa. But I, I do I do, I do do most of my – I've done readings with people from Canada, Australia. I've had people appear on my show as guests, and I just start reading them during the interview because it pops in, and I'll just share what I get. I read energy, so energy is constant. So when you think of it that way, I just tune in. But, yeah, and a lot of people can do that. It's not anything I use so so unique. But, you know, we're connecting right now while we're talking. We're, com- we're connecting with each other on a, on a voice level, a uh, physical level, but we're also connecting spiritually. Our energies connect to each other when we communicate and talk. And, and um, I believe in all that. I think that there's a lot there that's still at the tip of the iceberg at the top that we haven't really even delved into yet. And, and I want to, I want to, I definitely want to end in, in, as we continue our conversation, I want to end at, in a positive note. And I have a few questions I really want to ask that are, that should allow us to do that. But for now, I really want to ask about two other things, if, if that's possible. Sure. Um, I wanted to get your opinion on the idea of the uh, multiple realities, the multiverse, right? Yeah, it's, it's, a big, it's, it's also in movies, but it, I mean, anything yeah, I'm thinking of the man, be- uh, the man at the high castle, which was on Amazon prime. I watched the entire series Good. and they talked about the multiverse and I was like, wow, that blew my mind. And then I'm like, I love that topic. So go right ahead. Ask your question. So I, I think it's one of the coolest things, the coolest aspects that to think about the fact that our reality is one of multiple millions of one, even scientists, and I say even scientists because scientists are the most skeptical in, in most areas, but even they're like, they were the first ones that were pushing this idea. Mathematically, we have the divine numbers, the three, six, nine that appear on everything that exists. But there's also a lot of conflict in the idea of, you know what, there is proof to some degree that there is another reality, whether it be another realm where God and spirits live or another access to another window of other realities. That cannot be denied scientifically. If someone's scientific, if someone is atheist, like you just have to point that out, and they're like, "Okay, well, uh, I'm, if they want to win, that's how you make them lose." Because that's a that's right up their alley. Just like dark matter is, is proof all around us. They're like tiny little pockets to other areas. So that being said, when it comes to the idea of spirits and humans' existence, if there's multiple realities, then there's multiple versions of ourselves, multiple spirits, good, bad, great, or you know maybe animal versions of ourselves. Who knows? And then you mentioned Avatar before. So we, furry now? Is that what it is? Well, hey, hey, <laughs> don't criticize people. You never know what they're into. I don't know. But if you want to wear a baby shark outfit and start singing, that's up to you. But <laughs> it, when you look at this, there's no denying that there's other realities. How would that – have you had any connections or any spirits ever, like, allude to that idea or any – I mean, you tell how me you look at times. it. It's how you look at it. Look, 3D world. I, I call where we are right now. Matter, time, space, our 3D world. Who am I to say that when you cross over, you don't move up to another part of the multiverse and that our spirituality that we're talking about, where I could communicate with 
other deceased loved ones, for example, that you elevate yourself and you rise up to another dimension. I think there's a, we, we don't know how many, look, when I, I'm 46, when I was a kid, I was fascinated with astronomy. I studied all the statistics of the stars in our solar, I'm sorry, in our solar system, the nine planets that now are eight planets because Pluto is back and forth. And, you know, the earth is 93 million miles from the sun. That was my knowledge back then in the seventies and early eighties. Now we're how many billions and trillions of planets are there that are earth potential, you know, like in the, in the category of being an earth like planet. And when you think about how many, how massive the universe really is, who are we to say that our understanding of reality, even itself, isn't skewed? Who are we to say that we're just tipping at the top of it? Because I've had meditative experiences where I communicate what I feel like with a higher power that gives me guidance. And I believe that that's probably something at a different dimensional level. And maybe I'm able to tap into that. But my, my opinion is the multiverse is real. I believe it. Have you heard of sacred geometry? Yeah. I want to give you that just as, when you think about how the universe is created and constructed. I went for a walk the other day and I thought about sacred geometry fascinates me. I have one of these, uh, you know, shapes. I, I'm trying to think of the right name. Uh, it's, it's like a, it's multifaceted. And my point is, if you look at flowers, you go take, fl- take pictures of flowers, honeycombs, take pictures of different things in nature. And you'll see these universal shapes that are everywhere. And it's, it, how does a beehive create a shape, a honeycomb? How do, if you look inside a flower and you see the circular shapes or snowflakes, like really, are we, are we one to say that those things are unexplainable, right? But it's because we don't have the knowledge for it yet. There's things like the Akashic records that people tap into or understand that are ancient knowledge that you can pick up on or astrology or any of those kind of things. And so in my opinion, those are examples of just showing you that when it comes to our understanding what the multiverse is all about, I believe in the multiverse. I believe that there is, we're going to get, <laughs> things are going to expand our viewpoints until the day we die. And we're living in an exciting time right now because of our own technology. We may just be able to pick up other life forms during our existence in the next 30, 40, 50 years. It's very possible. Just like AI may help us with that. Yeah. I think is one of the most exciting times to be alive because of all the different things that we're able to. Again, we, our knowledge is still very limited, but now we look back at ancient societies, the way they looked at the, the Milky Way, the universe, the the way that they looked at uh, the use of uh, uh, drugs even. like I think those those really help tap into the spiritual aspect of things. There's like hardcore skeptics, and I've met a few. Uh, I'm friends with, with a couple, I'm not going to lie. But I feel like I'm out of their group. I'm still the most lenient, like towards like I think the spirituality is real. They're like, oh, that's crazy. But I, mean, I think it is. I mean, none of you have experienced ayahuasca. None of you have have had I, you know, something something like uh, what is it, the mushroom experience? I forgot the name of it. Uh, the the lion, oh, dude, lions. Oh, damn, I forgot the name. But anyways, there, there, there's many ways for you in, in different ways of different societies that tap into to spiritual aspects of things. Once one society uses ayahuasca, they become more. Uh, more susceptible to the spirits and the things around them. Other drugs making like the mushroom. Oh, God, I can't. Do you, Cytos, Cytosilum? Cytosilum? Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. Th- that one takes people on journeys inwards, but they're also able to then begin to wonder even on the facets of the universe even more. CBD or HTC or um, THC. THC. Uh, <laughs> I'm over here all messed up today. The THC uh, oh, you want some right makes now, people huh? sometimes hallucinate, but in reality, it, they're, they're pushing. Uh, glands that are in their brain, natural producing chemicals, but they're expanding on it. 
that that makes you know that there is something else out there. There's there's things that you know the third eye. There's things that your awareness is not always uh, actively picking up on. But when you're under those influences, you can see it. So for someone like you said, like and, and everybody has a sense of spirituality, but some people need different things to tap into it, or at least for the first time. You know, in, in your situation, it was it was grief, and then you, your your grandfather reached out to you, and that's how you were aware of it. Some people minute he passed, yeah, yeah, the minute he passed. Yeah, see, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I think that's so amazing, and you combine that with the idea of the universe being an ever expanding thing. You know, you you know that there's more out there. It, it, How about this one? I think your references to ancient aliens earlier. <laughs> I watch ancient aliens on Friday nights, and you mentioned some different things about. It made me feel like you watch ancient aliens or may have awareness of it. I, I, I find that stuff so entertaining. And so it's like they, the show, if anyone in the audience isn't aware of it, the show picks up on the similarities of, amongst all the ancient civilizations and how there's references in ancient artifacts that point to alien life being involved in early development of mankind and how there's, a, I mean, some of their theories on like, okay, maybe that's a stretch. Well, oh, ancient alien theorists, you know, I, I sometimes they start those sentences, I'll watch, I'll laugh, I, that's too far-fetched. But there are a lot of the things they talk about that I'm like, hey, you know, who am I to judge that? I believe in that stuff. Because the more and more I've had experience, you have to experience things in order to believe it or have your paradigm shift on it. And I saw a UFO and 20, 30 years ago, that would have been like a career ender. Now we have... Congress having hearings about it and public disclosure through the military about it. I think they're slowly preparing us to understand, yeah, alien life exists. Why wouldn't it exist? If if everything else that I've experienced in my life has happened in the way it does, and who am I to deny that the possibility of a multiverse, that we have aliens, that there's sacred geometry, that <laughs> it's a lot, but yeah. it's it, it's what makes life exciting. Yeah, I, which, which makes me actually ask a, a follow-up question, actually. Because I want to go back to the idea of, of multiverse and, and how much, uh, whether it be even in in popular, uh, uh, in popular, it's a popular genre now, to be honest. But it, it, even in, even in that, uh, what do you think the key to understanding? Because I mean, I don't think you, I don't know how to phrase it. Because I never had asked the question before. But you, what do you think reality is? <laughs> Good question. How about this one, Matrix? The movie, <laughs> we're all sitting in pods and then you take the pill and you're, whoa, where the hell are we? When I, uh, I don't mean to bring up George Floyd, but when that moment happened and I protested, that changed my reality. And I realized reality is fluid. It's what you perceive it to be. It's what you design it around yourself. You could have a day. I'll give you this example. Have you ever had a day during the pandemic when you're stuck in quarantine and you wake up and you just reflect on the past and all the bad things that have happened to you and you just feel like you're weighed down and you're like depressed or just out of it. And then you'll have another day where you'll just look forward, not look back. And you'll just focus on like the positive things that are coming up and you'll feel like you're on top of the world. To me, that reflects how our reality could be shaped by our own experience that and that's why I'm a big advocate of positive thinking. I'm also an advocate of the, of the secret and manifestation, because if you keep telling yourself, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy of love, I'm never going to have love, you're probably not magnetizing yourself to attract love. But if you wake up and say, I am worthy of love, I'm going to find the best person in my life to fill my highest good, and I'm going to fall in love, and I'm going to give love back, and I'm going to magnetize myself. You know, when you start doing that more and more and more, guess what? Positive things flow from that. So you could repel things in your life from the way you think about things and how you perceive your reality versus how you can magnetize yourself. If you focus on yourself and give yourself the appropriate self-love that most of us neglect to do, and I was a, I was a proponent. I, I neglected myself in other relationships in my life. Now I have self-love. 
I found it and I understand it and I will never let, lose it again. But when you have adequate self-love in your life, then a lot of these things will kind of fall into place from there. Man, that's well said. I I wonder if now going back to the idea of like multiverse, multi facets uh, of ourselves, have, have do you think you'll ever have an experience, or have you ever had a, again any any spirit hint at more realities other than this one? Oh yeah, it's called it, it was Interstellar the movie. It, yeah. If you if you study this stuff enough, there's probably, I mean, like nine dimensions. They're saying that it potentially exists. There could be alien life form that evolved into the consciousness and are no longer physical bodies, but they exist in that other realm that we're not even aware of yet because we're not there. We can't. It's like ants to a human being. You know, you see ants on the ground. We're probably ants to alien life because we're not evolved yet to get there. We've got to go through that collective experience as a society to get to where we need to be to understand it. And I think there are other dimensions. It would make sense. When I go into old buildings, I went to college here in Tampa and, and we have a building called Plant Hall that was built in 1894 as a historic hotel. And they have the minarets. If you ever look it up online, you'll be like, wow, that's in Florida. Yeah. You walk through the building. I get, I, I went through it last week. I was showing someone around and I went through a building. The building has like hundred year old, uh, over a hundred year old dining halls and all this stuff. You walk through, you'll get goosebumps. My one friend was like, I feel spirits here. I go, yeah, because we're walking through a haunted place. It's residual. And uh, there's a reason for that. We're just not understanding all of it yet because we haven't really figured it all out. But over time, I think we will. I'm pretty confident our, our knowledge, collective knowledge will help us get there. I think it's interesting that there's there were some uh, tribes of uh, Native Americans that not only believed in, in the spiritual world, but they often spoke about a world of uh, twisted dimensions, or they called it the dark, the dark, a dark dimension. I think is what they referred to it as. I don't remember what the, the exact words in their language was, but they they there was writings about the mystery spot, for example, in California that because it was part of a, a, a roaming tribes like area and they would go there for sacred ceremonies because they thought it was a window or they felt like it was a window to another dimension. But as we know, there's areas on the earth where there's like weird magnetic activity that there's no real explanation for Bermuda triangle that, that place, uh, the, the, the mystery spot. And there's many others like that. Do you feel like there's also places in the world where there's like higher activity of spiritual energy that, Oh, it, it, have absolutely. you been to one of those places or have you felt yeah. that right here in Tampa? I was on a news show. The local news went around. It's called, I think it was like Haunted Ybor City or the Ghosts of Ybor City. Last October, we went around these old buildings and I walked through with my best friend, Megan, and she and I are both mediums. And we walked through and we described what we were picking up from these buildings. And then they compared it with a historian and what we picked up on versus what they were, uh, <laughs> what the historians talked about reinforced everything we said. I was blown away when I watched the show because I, I, I went in it blind. I just, I didn't study anything. I was busy. I showed up with my friend. We we met with the reporter. We walked around these. It was a three part. It was a five part series. We were only supposed to be on one day. We wound up being on for three days because we kept picking up on the stuff that the historians kept reinforcing. And so, yes, there are haunted places or residual energy places, whatever you want to call it. And I've been I've been to places like that where I had to leave. I was at a a party once. Someone had an art studio and and they hosted a party and I went in it and I felt like someone committed suicide there and I kept asking, did someone kill themselves here? And people weren't talking to me about it. And then finally, someone came up to me and said, yeah, someone killed themselves three years ago, hung themselves upstairs. I felt that energy so strong. I was like, I I'm feeling sick from this. I got to go. And I left because I felt that energy of that residuals experience, you know, that residual experience. And sometimes I, I don't think, you know, it's, it's in some things are inexplainable. You know, my sensitivity to certain buildings or certain areas I go, 
it, it happens the way it does, but I've also learned to understand it better for myself that it's a spiritual place and not all spiritual places are places of peace. Yeah. You can go to a spiritual place in like Sedona. I love Sedona. You can go there and meditate and the ley lines can really put you at ease and put you at peace. But you can go to a place where there might be place, you know, there might be a building that has some negative residual energy that you'd have to either cleanse, pray for, you know, try to work through. But yeah, I definitely believe that. Have, have you had any interactions? I know you have a, like a protector spirit, which is your grandfather that still is around to this day that protects you and guides you to certain. My dad degree. too now. Oh, and your dad as well. Yes, of course. He was the person I had to have a relationship while I was alive. Asked me for forgiveness. Now he's like one of my spirit guides. Yeah. So my dad pops in. So when you, with that kind of protection, is there ever a fear that you might uh, accidentally maybe have uh, a dark or evil energy surround you, or, or, or is there is that ever a, a concern? I had. This, I want to give you an example. I had a situation where someone threatened me. They were in a how do I say this? I went out and there was somebody who was like in this fit of like, they, I just felt like they were stuck. They either took some substance or something. And I was out and they were just kind of threatening me. And I said, you're, and without me even realizing, I said, you're not going to hurt me. I'm spiritually protected. And I said that, and my friends were around me like, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know why I just said that, but I just said it. And next thing you know, the person walked away. And wow. I just remember thinking to myself, I think I am spirit. We're all spiritually protected, but you got to be in touch with it to understand it. But out of the blue, this person walked up to me, was just starting with me in a public place. I said, you're not going to hurt me. I'm spiritually protected. And then they looked at me like I said something that like they walked away. It was kind of inexplainable, but things like that happen sometimes. You just got to kind of understand it and, and appreciate it. In, out of all the, the people you've helped, was that ever something that was ailing them? Like they were feeling at they were feeling not at ease. They were having maybe anxiety and come to find out maybe it was like a, some, a spiritual energy around them that was, that was affecting them or was it, or has it been more of a, if, I mean, what's been the, the most common occurrence when someone has those kind of issues when they come to you? And when people come to me as a client and want a reading and if they start telling me about spirits possessing them or they feel like a curse has been put on them, I'll say, look, I don't delve in that stuff. I would say if you're dealing with a high level of anxiety, I as a psychic probably am not the best person to talk to first. I could be the person you talk to after you go and get help for your mental health type stuff. If that's what it is you're plagued by, uh, it's hard. I mean, I'm not an expert in, in mental health stuff. I was never trained as a counselor. So if someone comes to me and they're telling me, I had somebody tell me they wanted to kill themselves. And I was like, you know, I, I have to tell you, I recommend that you get help for yourself. I recommend that you really think this over and think of all the people you could impact adversely if you did that. You know, we're all connected, so don't do that. And the person went and got help and then saw me months later. But my attitude with that is everyone comes to me, they, I, I, want, I, I do the best work with somebody who's done the work before they see me. Meaning they've done, if they had mental health stuff, they're working through it and they're in counseling or they gone through counseling. If they've been depressed, they're, you know, they're taking the affirmative steps. That's where I'm most valuable. I am not most valuable for somebody who's thinking, read me, I'm depressed and I want you to make me happy. That's not how I work. <laughs> and I think it makes sense because in most cases when someone wants to reach a higher level of spiritual, um, I guess, consciousness, they need to have dealt with some physical issues first, because I think that's always going to be an, an impeding roadblock for them to be able to reach a, a higher sense of spirituality anyways. So th th that makes complete sense in that area. Have you had those kind of cases where somebody returns back after they've dealt with some of the issues they needed to? And then like, now I'm ready. I want to be able to learn more or be able to yeah. see more. It, have, oh, you have. Okay. I have. I have. And it actually works out to be amazing. I had someone thank me for turning them away at first because they were grieving their dad. They came back six months later and they said, listen, I'm ready now. 
and we had a session and it went amazing. And they said, you know, at the time you turned me away, I was mad because I thought, who are you to turn me away? I needed help. But when you made me realize I need to go to grief counseling first and I need to work on myself and give myself time, I understand that now. And it made me feel really validated. Have you ever, uh, well, with, with the, con- with the contact that you have with some of the spirits, I know that time is, as uh, as it really, as much as we understand it, I know that it, it is something that we invented because it's different than it is. Time can be different on a mountain than it is from being on the beach, even though you both lived this, your entire lives and you were born at the same day, it completely changes how people develop. But from a spirits aspect of it, have you ever had, a, especially with, in these trial times, have, do you know is there any concession on what the future might look like? Is it going to get better? Is it going to get worse? Because uh, they, they are aware of, you know, a lot of things that we're not able to see and so, understand. Great, great question. I, I'll, I'll answer that with an example. Uh, 2020 happened before the election, June of 2020. I had a premonition, a vision that just pops in my head. I call them downloads. And the download was a news report from like, <laughs> I guess, after election day. And it showed me, a, it appeared in my head for a second. And over time, it's like a Polaroid. Remember the Polaroid pictures? You take a picture and it develops over time. Mm-hmm. It, that's how premonition happens to me when they happen. And I literally, I posted this on my Instagram in June of 2020. I think it was June 4th. I don't know the exact, it's on my Instagram. Basically, I wrote a post about it and I said, President Biden's going to win the election. He's And I named the five states he was going to win. I named the fact that the Democrats would win the House and the Senate. I made the mistake and said it would be a, land, a, a blue wave landslide. But the states I got right, the election I got right. And that was because I was watching a news program before it happened six months ahead of time. It's like when I diagnosed myself with the cancer at a time, premonitions will happen. And when they do, I get, I get visions of them. So the abortion thing that's going on right now, I had in November, a glimpse when I went for a walk one day that <laughs> I was walking and I had this weird premonition. I was listening to MIA bad girls. It's a song that was from many years ago. And it just was on my, uh, you know, on my iPhone and it was playing Apple music. And as I was walking to that song, I had an image of like all these women walking with baby carriages. I'm like, why would women walk with baby carriages with no babies in them? And I'm like, what kind of thing is this? And then I had this news footage pop in my head showing like 10 years from now, the decade in review. And this was like (laughs) November. We're in 2021 at the time. And what it showed me was in those images, I had enough knowledge to say, yes, abortion will be overturned. Yes, it's going to ignite such a social movement among women's groups and other groups are going to unite and create a social movement, but it's not going to happen right away. It's going to take some time. But by the end of the decade, we're going to go through this turbulence like in the 60s, there's going to be upheavals, but at the end, we're all going to be okay. But we got to go through this moment of reckoning first with our own social mores and our own uh, inner we got to work out our stuff. Our democracy isn't perfect. And so that's one thing I'll tell you about the future is it's going to be turbulent, but in the end we land on our feet. And so I, and, and, the, and rights will be restored to different areas of society and other rights will be ad, advanced as well. So my opinion on that, at least for my version of the future is in the long run, things are going to work out, but it's going to take a process and, and the next few years are going to be turbulent. It's going to be more of the same for us of what we've been going through since, you know, five, six years ago. It's still going to be turbulent until it plays itself out. And the American people, for example, in society work their ways out. Now, global warming, I think we're going to tackle global warming. I think we're very alarmed about it. But I think our ingenuity and our innovative aspects of ourselves, we're going to get that stuff tackled. It's going to be worked out. And so in terms of the future, you know, it depends on how you gauge what the future is. You could look at it from an economic point of view. You could look at it from a social point of view. You could look at it from a spiritual point of view. I believe that after the pandemic, 
we're going to have this spiritual renaissance that's going to happen in such a way that the masses are going to see that there is more of us than just mind and body and that we will understand spirit better. So that's my short take to your answer, but I'm an optimist. So my, my question to you now, we we're, we're talking about your spiritual upheaval, right? Um, if it's going to happen big, how is it going to affect society? Right? Because there's people who still don't believe, right? Uh, spirituality has no authority still in any like politics or government. It's more based on the opinion of like, how can I be swayed and how my thought process works? Um, I just want to see in my head, like a, a clear cut way in which spirituality plays a role, right? Cause we, we separate religion and politics um, and spirituality is the individualism piece, which I would say falls under the piece of religion, which is faith-based. How does that, okay, as a social so, social society, help, you know, bridge that gap? That's my question to you now. So you want to know how spirituality can help bridge our gaps in society? I just want to make sure I get your question right. Yes, but it also has to tie into politics. Like how, because okay. politics is the thing that divides us in America the most right now. We have a lot of extremism happening right now, either way you look at it. And Correct. so, you know, when we were locked in and locked down, I, I can understand where a lot of people engage in conspiracy theories and, you know, facts themselves become questionable. But I still like to, because I'm a lawyer, I delve in facts. I look at facts all the time. And so spirituality to me is having us have the ability to understand that we're not just about ourselves. It's not us versus them. That's how politics will change. When we realize it's not us versus them, it's not, you know, radical left versus crazy GOP or whatever it is. It's going to be people working together to tackle problems together. Our spirituality isn't our religion. Religion is an organized construct of trying to attribute historically what happened 2000 years ago through word of mouth over hundreds of years where, you know, I could say that probably we didn't get it completely right in our interpretation of whatever happened 2000 years ago, for example. And so my belief is spirituality is kind of helping us catch up to that. The original teachings of Jesus talked about peace, talked about love, talked about giving, talked about not judging. How can you see that in our society now for people who espouse that they're certain Christians when they do those things and they mix it into a certain toxic blend of politics. So from my vantage point, I believe as we journey inwards and as we learn not to ascribe the certain ideas that are outdated, outmoded, and misinterpreted over misinterpretation through word of mouth of thousands of years, spirituality can actually help us all reconnect to each other and make us realize we're global citizens, working together politically, socially, and interchangeably with one another. Right, but the question is how. I know spirituality entails having to open up, having to except the individual basis right but you know how how can you push that on people if you force it yeah if you force it on them they're not accepting it it's i wouldn't push it on anybody it's when people are willing to want to understand it and and look anytime we deal with a death they have to in our lives a close person our lives die you know you're dealing with spirituality on a personal basis you're grieving you're going through the process trying to make sense of it that's an example of spirituality right there making sense of someone's death that you love leaving you and so when you look at it in terms of the big picture of it, I believe that spirituality can help us kind of detach from the negative boxes we put ourselves in and give us an opportunity to bridge the gap with one another, Working, being willing to work together, being willing to work across the lines, being able to have a dialogue and not, you know, ignore certain things about each other or try to have a, a really difficult time coming together. 
I, I think there's a consensus to it, but I would never force it on anybody. I have that whole stay in your lane thing. So. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's one of the most important things because when, when you want people to do better for themselves, you can't have, you can't force that decision on them. Whether they're going through drug problems or psycho, you know, psychological problems, you have to have them be in a state of mind where they choose to make that decision. They have to be open and receptive to those kind of changes. It's it's a it's hard sometimes to envision that type of world, but I think we can. I I'm of I'm, I'm of the opinion, and I'm very optimistic of the fact that we could probably get there someday, and the, the sooner the better. I I I feel, but it's hard with the divisions. But I think that to 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 get over the division, sometimes there has to be realizations as a society, right? I think the realization yeah. that everybody has the common goal of reaching the same thing, right? You want a happy life. You want to, you want to be able to get along with your neighbor. You don't want to worry about your neighbor turning you into the authorities and you don't want to worry about your neighbor. Oh, go ahead. Being able to have a, and being able to have a dialogue and not resent each other for the dialogue, having disagreements, you can agree to disagree on certain things, but then work together to get past those disagreements and find some common ground. Yeah. And I think if you're going to be tribal, it's better to be tribal as a human and not be tribal as like a Niners fan versus, you know, a Dolphins fan or whatever. Right. (laughs) Correct. You want to you want to be tribal as you know, we're all human. We all all humans and happy. Yes. So the reason I ask that question is because, again, it's always tied into that belief of my right ends when another begins. Right. It's your opinion also stands there. Your opinion does not make it a fact for my life. Right. Yes, it's something you believe. It's something you understand. It's not something I care for sometimes or it's something I don't understand. That's not a reason or or means for you to have to push that piece, and that's what I wanted to well, highlight. And well, you you cleared out. That's just the whole. Fine. That's the whole point of America, right? The whole point of America is to be able to have different viewing points, different religions, different viewpoints. Uh, that, I agree. But and being able to along. coincide exactly, with each other. and that coexist. Coexist. Exactly. <laughs> People forget that piece and try to force it upon. And that's why I wanted to make it clear when you said spiritualism is you have to accept it on your own. It's not something given forcibly. I wanted Correct. that to be clear to people. And sometimes it's hard because our even our political leaders are not people that are very receptive to spirituality, you know? So it's hard if you expect them to make the laws to, to bring positive change. That's very difficult because they're not even, you know, really up, applying any of those thoughts. And if they did, imagine how different things would be. The golden rule is something that, that was mentioned, you know, that has, has been mentioned before. You know, it, if somebody lived by that principle, just that principle alone, imagine how different the world would be. But those politicians all have their own agendas. They have their own, you know, pockets lined by different companies. And as much as they wear different color suits, they still work for the same company at the end of the day. And yet the people are the ones suffering for it. it really I, I want to do a caveat for a minute. I mentioned something about organized religion indirectly. And I want to say there are people who do organized religion that are ministers and priests and spiritual people that are amazing. They, they live the example. They, they do a lot of good. And, and I'm not referencing those people. I'm just saying in the, the larger trend of society, my understanding of it is, Working together, yeah. I think if we stay in our own lane, and and I think there are going to be experiences that we share collectively. I would pray we don't have any more COVID experience, but like there's going to be other things that we go through as a planet, like global warming or different aspects that could be rising sea levels, for example. Whatever challenges we got to tackle together. When you look at it, it's it requires that we work together because how are we supposed to combat these things if we can't walk together and get these things handled? You know in sync with each other yeah you hear guys we're still waiting for a zombie pandemic we better be ready for that one. I don't <laughs> oh god can you imagine well, sniffles guys that's either going to make us band together or trample each other over toilet paper nah, yeah like hey we should give a zombie a chance on the podcast bro come on now well we'd find a way to, we'd find a way to record i think you, you know, know that's my worst nightmare the zombie apocalypse like i i, I can't even watch the living dead like <laughs> I, I, any of those shows like they, they just they scare me more than any any slasher film or i just it's it's 
crazy. Did so. you, you know what makes something scary? They're on the podcast. No, no. the more realistic it, it can be. Oh the yeah. Mo- the more realistic sure. it is for someone to hide in uh, in your car while you're driving or you're you're heading to the you know to your car in the parking lot, the more scared of it you're going to be. If it's unrealistic, if it's in the middle of the day and there's people everywhere, you're not going to be afraid of it. But the I, I think the reason why a lot of people are fearful of the idea of zombies is because you read those articles of like zombie ants, that little bacteria that already exist, and you're like, that's creepy, man. I'm glad that they don't exist in humans. And then you see that how labs over there is working on like how to how to use that for military purposes. I'm like, did you guys not learn anything? Like, have you guys not seen like enough sci-fi for you to know not to mess with this? And then you have someone. No. I'm, I'm thankful yeah. that there's. I know people hate. A lot of people hate and dislike Elon Musk. I like. <laughs> I like him because, dude, you're just he, mad he didn't buy Twitter, bro. I like the fact that he's like, hey, man. One day, this world is going to come to an end. We need to plan to be interplanetary species. We need to go to Mars. And I'm like, everyone's like, he's crazy. I'm like, he's kind of right, dude. If this is Let's ask this one about Elon Musk. I think he's got some strong intuition and some abilities within himself to see these things and be a visionary. I mean, you can't be thinking. I have never thought about going to Mars, right? Who are we to discredit him to, to create his wealth he's done and the things he's doing? Exactly. Do I agree with some of the things he wants to do with Twitter? No. Um, I have my own viewpoints on that. But, hey, he's, he's being himself. Yeah, and no person, and no person is perfect. You know, everybody has yeah. has an area. But the idea of like, I'm gonna make an electric car company, and I'm gonna push the world to get off of fossil fuels. I'm like, good luck. It's awesome. crazy. And I, he I did it. That. Yeah, exactly. And he did it. He made it. He made things possible. Hey, you know what? If we didn't make flying cars, there'd be debris flying from the air because people would crash <laughs> into each other. Let's make tunnels instead. And everyone's like, that's crazy. But you know, he's doing. <laughs> there's good things that come around geniuses like that. But there's also, you know, I agree. Just remember. Nikola Tesla loved pigeons and he thought he was married to one. So everybody, <laughs> everybody has something, you know, Albert Einstein never brushed his hair and hardly ever took showers that, that involved getting his hair wet. Cause he didn't like it. He felt like it made him feel weird. So every genius has an area about them that makes him a little weird. Idiosyncrasies. So, ex- yes. <laughs> That's, I was forgetting the word. Exactly. So when, when someone like Elon Musk comes around and says, you know, maybe nothing will happen in the next hundred years, things will get better, but Things might get worse. We should plan to have other planets that we can colonize, at least so we can start expanding because we don't want to let our species die. And even if it doesn't completely die, if it goes dwindles down to like a half a billion people, that's a lot of lives that are going to be lost, you know. And he's thinking about humanity in that way. And as he often says, I love humanity. The things so I do is he, for humanity. He's thinking of, doc- of humanity like Dr. Doom does? Yeah, because that's that's... To him, he only may, the men and women. He, what, he, what might, he might have some spiritual intuition, some muses that come into his mind, and he lets them take over, and he begins to work on things. But he also he doesn't have the spirituality to really understand what he the messages he's getting completely. So to him, it's like a jumbled message. And he's like, I feel people danger. I'm gonna leave the planet. That's what I'm thinking from this. But he doesn't have the sense to sit down and really let let it simmer because he's always he always move he's always moving. You know. I assume that I love that. <laughs> and maybe I'm an apologetic or something, but I like Elon Musk. That's why I'm saying that. No, you know, I'm say. fascinated by him. I'm fascinated by somebody that can do that. Bill Gates, Elon Musk, these people that have amassed these. The only thing I'd say to that is use your wealth, use your power for good. If you have it, use it for good. You know, like, and I know that's interpretive and that's based on whatever, but you look at the larger, you know, whatever you can do to eradicate our problems. If you want to take us to Mars and settle it, great also do things about the homeless population on the planet. Maybe, you know, it's great that you could help Ukraine with its internet, with Russia attacking it. How about helping Americans who are suffering on the streets? You know, like I just, there's so much wealth. I mean, corporate America could do a lot to help our society if they really wanted to step up to it. I think, I think he should do a lot about it, but I think if, if anybody's in a position to do that, knowing that he doesn't own any grocery stores, he has a lot of money. 
But if you want to know somebody who has money and grocery stores, that's Jeff Bezos. Or the person that owns all the land, Bill Gates, right? He owns what all if they work land. together. What if they work together and they created should. something together, right? Why I, not? I, I agree. I think that's what should happen. So but I feel bad together, when, when people like they bag on, on Elon Musk for that. I'm like, he doesn't own any of that. He owns electric car company. He gives free internet. He gives, uh, listen, he gives to what be he fair, But listen, he gives what he can. He loves when getting he, baited. And you make it sound like what he needs and to he get likes Fox isn't Girls. required he likes by anime. taxes. That's, he's, a, he's a weird guy. But if you want somebody that has the tools and the money... That's that's Jeff Bezos. That's 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 the other, well, and that's politicians too. They should make the laws for it too. It's a whole combination of people working together. But when they just like, he doesn't even own a house. Like technically, through the company he does, but he doesn't own a house him directly like other people do. It's because he feels the vibe is just not Maybe. not passing, bro. He can't <laughs> do that. I agree. Well, there's, imagine there's, having to fit the muses in a little tiny house because he doesn't want to own a house. It's like it's no room in there. <laughs> well, I mean, even the owner of uh, Scientology. Well, what's his name? The, not the owner. The, the Ron Hubbard. No, the uh, yeah, that was he was a creator, but and the, then the one guy that's and then the guy that's I watched running the one Scientology special on HBO, I think it was or whatever. Yeah, he the guy that that runs it now, he owns like four point something billion dollars worth of like assets, and then his house he lives in. He's like he he had a you know what's an excuse for a gigantic home? One of the few times I ever caught him on, on like uh, an interview is they're asking him, so why why do you why do you have like what is it a almost two hundred and some million dollar home? And it's, so it's just you and like seven servants that live there. And he's like, well, because the spiritual energy that I that I feel in my body needs to have a place to to reside in. And Tom Cruise is next to him going, yes, yes. He's like clapping him on. I'm like, are you, what? Like, does it make any, anyways, it just, you, you went know. to Tom Cruise, you lost our credibility with me. I'm sorry. I'm, dude, well, he's, <laughs> he's, in, he's in it though. Hey, the Maverick movie's coming out. I'm not going to go watch that. I'm definitely <laughs> not going to care. <laughs> I still haven't seen the first Top Gun, so. <laughs> you probably don't need to, man. Not at this you point. Don't. Man, I'm just saying, yeah, th- th- there's a lot of, there's a lot of good. And I think there's a lot of compromises that can be made in order to make positive change in society. For social changes, I think as long as people are able to work together, things can be done. I just hope that they are able to do that before, you know, anything bad happens. And you kind of given us a little bit of reassurance here, but knowing that, you know, in the future, things will get better. We just want to have the right leaders in place because the ones that we have right now are just uh, it's a mess, man. And again, from both sides, it doesn't matter. I think one is far more corrupt than the other. But they're both corrupt. So it doesn't even matter if you have a if you have a shirt and it has one black spot on it or one dirt spot. But. You still want I, I will just it. say this, just from my own my own point of view. If you if you you can say that, like in the 2016 election, people were like, "Well, the lesser two evils won, right, Trump." But then you look at where the direction we're going right now, and and they're galvanizing certain things. I feel like, you know, if you look at extremism versus, I'm not saying the Democrats have their act together, but I think you're right. We need to have a, a more common ground in terms of how our structure of our government works. Yeah. More political parties wouldn't be a bad thing if we had like a multi party system. That gave us the ability to express different viewpoints like European countries have like Green Party and different things. Yes, yes. I I think that that would be good. And I love the fact that we're talking right now because we're not in Russia being stifled. We have freedom of speech here. Absolutely. And I just pray to God that none of those freedoms are are entrenched upon in the future. You know, that's what we have to fight for. That's why I feel like it's important to have these dialogues because you, you can keep things fresh in the minds of the people and have people wonder, what is it in our society we can improve? Well, we have a lot of good things that we can be happy about. What can we build on from there? You know, and I think that there's always people that are prone to violence, and I I hope they're. I think that the extremity, the extremes are the things that we none of us want to see. So I hope it doesn't get to that again. Like politicians, just they need to be cleaned out. I don't know what would be the best way to do it because I don't. I don't think bringing in. I don't. I don't think bringing in somebody who isn't a politician into the picture is going to be a good fit because we know how that works out. But (laughs) but you also need somebody who who's who's clean. I I like a. I really. 
uh, what was oh, man uh, from Hawaii? What was her name? Tulsi sure. Gabbard. Oh, she was amazing. She's not perfect, but she was great. I'm. A, she supports Putin. Well, I mean, like I said, was uh, I'm just no. saying, if you listen to some of her things and you listen to what she says, there's things that she says that she's very supportive of Putin, and I'm like, wow, why is she saying that? Yeah, but it's then a speech, but still. And you also have Biden that, that supported the, the crime bill and wanted to to shut every every black person in jail. And, you know, but I mean, everyone's is. And then you have Nancy Pelosi, who was like, they've baited me into this nail salon. You made the appointment, lady. Like, what are you talking about? Like, they made me wear I'm Like, Come on. Like, you don't have to lie. Just say I made a we need new energy. Yes. yes. <laughs> we need new people. Exactly. Right. I mean, these Octarians or whatever they are, they need to they need to go chill out and like stop in, in D.C. and let us have a younger generation take yeah. over that can be, you know, more responsive to society. Our, our bills would include include uh, terms like yeet. Like what? Like yeet, yeet that out of here. Oh God. No. Anyways, is that what you want to hear? Is that no, what you want to I don't. But exactly. I, mean, I, I, I don't want to see the president go shush. I don't. Want, I don't want that. I don't want that either. You know. But if that's what if that's what change positive change looks like, then that's what we get. But anyways, I think it's it, it's good. But uh, I, I'm uh, I'm glad that we had a chance to talk to you, Jason. I think absolutely. You, you guys are fun to talk with. I'll tell you, I uh, I really enjoyed this, and I've been on a lot of interviews and. Uh, I, I really appreciate being on the show and being able to share um, our conversation and dialogue. And I appreciate the opportunity. So if anybody wants to reach out to you, we're going to have the show notes reflect your website and some of the ways that they can kind of read and watch more of your content. But if, is there another thing that you'd want them to know while we're still yeah. you know, finishing up here? Phenomenal. Absolutely. Um, I'm also started a new show called Psychic Visions. It's a podcast. I got electric, it's with my best friend, Megan Kane, and we're actually launching it sometime next month. It's been professionally signed with a label out of LA called Electrocast Media. And uh, I would just let everyone know that we'll be releasing that in the future, not too, not too far from now, and that some big stuff will be coming from there. So I'm excited. Hey, on behalf of us here at the Prep and Ref Podcast, we're very thankful to have you on, and we hope to talk to you again, Jason. You're awesome. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you. See you guys next time.